<laughs> That's your move now, I guess. Yeah, I guess. What? Whatever. Uh, man, I do love. I love fire season, though. It is. It is nice to. Uh, I, I am sad that I don't live in a house with a fireplace currently. It's something that uh, that's on the list of things. Even though whenever I've had a fireplace, I didn't use it enough. But now it's like, that's what I want. I have a, we have a gas fireplace and I'm totally cheating, but we just come home and flip the switch. And that's, oh, yeah. that's exactly that's what you so want, fun. man. You're Instant vibe. Everybody, oh. Everybody's in that room. As soon as you take your stuff yeah. off, cold nights, you're right in there, cut it up watching TV or something. So we enjoy it. Oh, that's See, now that's what I'm talking about. That sounds great. Just like pop open a good book. Put your feet up a little bit. Maybe turn something on TV if you need to. Like, that's it's just like instant reset on being bundled up and getting in and out of a cold car. For those of you that live in cold weather, I know you know that feeling. There's just something like when you when you just start swearing for no reason. You're just like swearing at the air. And you get in there and then you start your car and you got to let it sit. And it always takes longer than you think it needs to to warm up. And then once it does warm up, then you just get the hot air. Do the thing where you, I don't know if you guys do this, where I drive with my thumbs so that I can keep my hands in front of the vents. Just, <laughs> just, hit, just hit that hot air vent. That's my favorite. When all I the feeling comes them. back. Like my shift hand, that vent is pointed at my knuckles. And then my left hand on the wheel, I got that vent pointed like right at my, right at my fist. See, I like that. I just don't want to, like once I have it perfectly, because I'm, I'm really tall and then on top of it, I'm very torso-y. So I, once I get it good where it's like going towards like my head and chest, then I just, I just angle my hands. <laughs> I always wonder what it looked like to other people when I'm driving. Like I'm, like I'm awkwardly waving at everyone. Just like imitating a moose. In, imitating a moose. Yes. Yeah. Hi, there we go. Here's my, I'm driving a car. <laughs> so dumb. We, we haven't done a bad, I haven't done a bad impression in a long time on this show. Yeah, so okay. we're bringing back all the old school hits. That made up for it right there, I think. <laughs> Well, you heard a third voice. I feel like before we move on to anything else, we should let you introduce yourself to all of our listeners and uh, let them know a little bit about this empire that you're building. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me out tonight. Uh, my name is Gerard Class. I'm a budding restaurateur in these Minneapolis streets. Uh, I have my hands in a bunch of different things, but what you know me for is Soul Bowl. Yeah. Uh, and Soul Bowl is at the fair. We're at Target Center, Target Field. Just did our first season at U.S. Bank um, and right in North Loop in the Grace Food Hall. And then I'm also partnered in the Camden Social that just opened. It's a little speakeasy, uh, 46 in Lindale North. Uh, partnered with uh, some amazing people and do some cocktails, some riffs on some uh, Southern comfort food. Uh, and then my partner also uh, makes his own cigars. So really yes. dope. Uh, place to come yeah. in. And they do brunch, jazz brunch, and a little R and B brunch on the weekends. Really dope place to check out. And then I am also launching uh, Classics Kitchen and Cocktails. Uh, will kind of be my love letter to Minneapolis. Some food that I've been wanting to put out for a while, and just things have been on hold with pandemic. And you got to be half crazy already to uh, open restaurants, and then outside of that, you know, double down on it after the pandemic and do it again. <laughs> Uh, and then we just launched Cream Cafe, which is opening, and Cream stands for Coffee Rules Everything Around Me, and just doing uh, some fun breakfast and kind of making breakfast a little more social um, in the Mill City neighborhood. So yeah. working on those a uh, couple things and just taking a cool step and like actually doing the stuff I want to do now and worked in tons of restaurants, but actually get an opportunity to like put my food out. So It's wild, like... You know, uh, I've 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 been a fan of yours for a long time, and it's been fun like getting to know you as a friend. But uh, I hadn't I hadn't been to a Timberwolves game since you opened your spot there, mm -hmm. and like 
it was rad to just get to shout like, fuck yeah. Like I, I had forgotten about it. Like I had read your post and that I knew it was going to be there, but like ADHD brain, it just went one ear out the other. And it was like, it was rad. And it was so cool seeing like you turn around and there's like every stadium has like the generic pizza place. Yep. And there's like right. four dudes in line. And then you turn around and you look at Soul Bowl and it's like 27 people in line. And people are looking over at the pizza and they know they could get that. And they're just like, ah. Yep. I'm a, I'm a hang. The, the, uh, the West Indian me can die a happy man knowing that I brought plantains to uh, yes! a basketball yeah. game. So, Hell yeah. Like, that's always dope. And like people are looking for food. I think it's transitioned a little bit where you used to be so snacky when we were kids and like right. people are going to the game and looking for something a little bit better. And, uh, shout out to chef FEMA. He's really pulled together a really good crop of like young chefs and brought some cool things where you can get a parlor burger you can get soul bowl in there you can you know spruce it up and just get some different options so it's exciting for me and i'm a basketball junkie so I, every time i go i'm just like geeking out over it you know even if everybody's like yeah we've seen this already but it's a big deal it's dope yeah <laughs> sure. no and i remember that's that's a great point i remember when i was a kid and if you were going to the basketball game you weren't going to get a meal you were going to get mm. something to nibble on like yep. basically keep your hands busy and just have something to nosh on, but now you can get a proper meal. You could say I'm going to the game and I'm going to get a meal. I love uh, my, so my, my, I have two nephews and a niece and over, uh, over, over the Christmas holiday, we were watching football up at the cabin and they showed somebody like did the thing where they were letting somebody walk by and they like dropped all their food and they went and like showed it again. And <laughs> my nephew was like, Hey, Uncle Ben, in olden times, what did they eat at sporting events? And I was trying to explain, like, I had not really thought about your point. I was trying to explain peanuts, malt cups, mm-hmm. the red and white rectangular box of uh, popcorn, yep. the one that was about the size of, yep. like, like, a textbook, mm-hmm. and then um, and Cracker Jack. And he's just staring at me. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, like, the malt cup was the most fascinating. He's like, so... It, Wait, so it didn't have a spoon? And I'm like, no, like, you know, like when you go to the doctor and they use the tongue depressor and you go, ah, it was like, you just ate with that. And he's just looking at me like, are you seriously messing with me? Like, I can't tell if you're being serious. Yeah, it's never, (laughs) it it, it is funny to think that, but it just was like popcorn. Like, that's what I think about what I was going to get. And even back then, they were complaining about how expensive popcorn was. Yeah, of course. Of course. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's not even going to fill you up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just remember the first time, uh, we, we we did not have uh, very much means, shall we say. So I was always trying to find the cheapest thing. And I remember the first time uh, my friend's mom bought us, like, the the nachos, the, yeah. the cheese. And that was back when it didn't come in a cup. And so if, like, if you, like, were nice to the guy or if he thought you were, like, oh, it's for a kid, like, I'll hook it up. And he just keep pumping it so it, like, goes over the divider and, like, into the chips. That was, <laughs> oh, that was the jam. The pickled jalapenos. I wasn't, as a kid, I was scared of those. Yeah. Yeah, because that was also a special treat if I went with my cousin to a Twins game, get the nachos, and I would be like, just pile them. Just, I want them everywhere. Yeah. It was, uh, for me, it was, it was high school when, when like hot sauce became a thing. Mm -hmm. Because it was when, when somebody had a car and we like, we went to like Taco Bell or whatever. Was Taco Bell what kicked it off? Because I remember when hot sauce became a thing. Was that like the high school Taco Bell runs there? Well, so are you, I'm. Gerard, are you from here? I'm the, from here, but I grew. I spent my childhood in Seattle. Okay, so there was a there was a precursor before Taco Bell took over everything, and there still are a couple that reopened after the uh, agreement passed. But it was called Zantigos. Okay, and Zantigos 
is where the, it's called the Chilito, but like the chili cheese burrito that's still on the menu at Taco Bell only in Minnesota, as far as I know. Um, that item. I think that's still true. Yeah. So Zantigo's was a Minnesota, like Mexican fast food yep. chain and they had mild and hot. Okay. And then you could get mild or hot salsa. And I remember the first time one of my friends got his license and we went there and it was like, everybody was like, oh, I bet you can't eat like three hot sauce packets in a row and then smash it. And that was when I realized like the endorphin rush that you get from spicy foods. And cause I, I straight up grew up in the like pepper is spicy mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. So, that, I, that's another thing that I never thought about when we were kids and we went and grabbed fast food, there weren't any sort of spicy options. I grew up like my mom caught me. She tells this story to like new people that she meets that know me, but she caught me when I was a toddler sitting on the kitchen table with a jar of like pickled peppers that she had made the night before. And I was just chomping on them and she thought I was going to die. But Mm. I was like smiling, like looking at her. The cat was next to me and I was just eating pickled jalapenos. So I've been eating hot shit since I was a kid, but that's funny that I've never thought about that. Honestly, like Taco Bell, that's the first thing I can think of from when I was a kid that there was the, Hot so, so our West Coast version of that was called Taco Time. I don't Ooh, know if you guys. Okay. I have not no, had no, Taco no. Time. Okay, so Taco yeah. Time was like predating Taco Bell. Same type of thing, just like not great marketing, but it was a, like a lot of them around. It was a little bit cheaper, uh, and they used to get the hot sauce packets, and that was like the first thing uh, that I remember having. That was like you could get the little packets on it, and we yeah. would go to Taco Time. But it's crazy for me growing up. Like I didn't like spicy food for a while. My mother puts cayenne pepper on everything. It was just like her thing. Like every time somebody (laughs) made something, even above hot sauce, she would just like sprinkle a little bit on her food. And uh, it just made a horrible experience for me and my brother because then she would try to share like the second half of it that she wasn't going to finish. And sometimes we would eat it forgetting that this thing is loaded with cayenne. And then (laughs) the other half, we were like, mom, no way. Like we're not finishing this because you just made this incredibly too spicy so i think because of that i didn't have a choice but to kind of grow a little bit of a tolerance when do you remember liking spicy food for the first time is like was there a time that you started craving it um probably i would say uh doing like some summers at my grandma's she would do like some gardening and she would have peppers and things like that sure she was very big into like the canning and preserving you know her generation and so uh it would be with some of those ingredients but it would be like really good flavor so i would Mm. see i think when i started to see flavors with spice and not just hot when it was just heat i'm like i'm i'm cool on this this is not my jam but then when i was like okay you know if it's like a habanero and it's got a fruity spice to it or if it's something that's smoky like a chipotle and it's spicy then i started to get intrigued and i was like okay i'm i'm in um but I still was a wimp for quite a while to kind of build my thing up. And as a new chef, that's just always like the first entry level stripes is just like, we're going to make you eat the hottest stuff on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Like guys with Scoville unit tattoos on yeah. their arm and all the chili pepper <laughs> shoes and stuff. Like, I don't know why, but it's just as soon as you get in the industry, it's just like, have you had this? And then, you know, every two or three years, the water cooler talk is like, there's some new pepper that's right. spicier yep. than the last yep. thing they came out with. And <laughs> how do we get our hands on it to ruin our stomachs for the next 48 hours? How do we get our gloved hands on that? Yeah. It's legitimately every restaurant I ever worked at. Like you just named it out. <laughs> uh, Charles, what, what about you? Do you remember, I mean, was it just always you loved spice or yeah. was there a time where you like, well, that's, that is, that is where it started is that my parents gardened when we were kids and they would can 
and they would can because uh, I've, I've mentioned it before that in Lebanon, Kabis, you, you just pickle everything. Mm-hmm. So when they can stuff, they wouldn't do like just canned tomato. It would be, everything would be pickled. And there were always jars, like giant ball jars of uh, mixed vegetables, garden vegetables. And basically those would be the standard of what you see now that are the vegetables in a jardinier. Mm. Mm. So it would be celery, cauliflower, carrot, and... Uh, they'd make spicy and non-spicy ones because the spicy ones would have the jalapenos mm-hmm. in them. And I think when I was a kid, I just loved eating pickles. So I would just bust those things open and like eat whatever was in the jar. And I started eating the spicy ones. And I, I think that like I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what freaked my mom out was, oh shit, you opened one of the spicy ones. And I was looking at her smiling, chomping on a pepper. And she was like, okay, I think he likes it. He's probably going to have some weird shits, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he's okay. So that, I think that would be it. Like specifically eating those yeah. vegetables out of those jars. I remember like the first thing outside of like Taco Bell and Santigo's, the first thing that I remember was, um, when we went to old country buffet, mm. they had a bottle of Tabasco and my buddy and I would throw that all over the Mac and cheese. Yep. And that was like, I would, I would like eat everything else. And then I would just house the Mac and cheese at the end. Cause that was my favorite bite. But that was like, I always felt like that was me like sneaking something in that wasn't supposed to be there. Yep. But it was, uh, I, I was actually pondering this uh, a couple days ago. It was, um, the first time that a friend of mine took me to Sawadee Thai. Uh, and they asked me how hot I want it, like one through five. <laughs> and I was like, oh. four? Because I was used to Minnesota. Yep. And they they came with the four tie hot. Was this when you were a teenager? Yeah, or? I was okay. either 18 or 19. And I, I even had... With that, even with that, your mileage would have varied back then. Yeah. And today, because Marnie loves Saudi. But if she orders and is like, do you want anything? I'm like five. And sometimes there's literally zero heat. And sometimes yeah. it's really hot yeah and back then i remember that being the case when i was a teenager i was like i don't know what i'm gonna get so you must have got like a real four. Oh yeah i remember it came out and like you could just see like the extra tablespoon of of cracked red chili oh, sure. on like, top oh, yep. and i got we got i still remember it we got pad thai we were gonna share we got pad thai we got red curry we got i think uh pad see you yep. and then some egg rolls and i was sweating everywhere and i couldn't stop eating See, I have a trust issue when they give me the one through five. I'm like, just put mine on the side, <laughs> and I'm going to self-medicate like, you yeah. know, medicate my heat level for what I can take. Because it's also interesting. It's like, like you say, like you might go to a Thai place. It might be a different, different like ethnic cuisine, and it's just like they're five or they're four. I'm just like, what is it? You know, That's more my question sure. as a chef is like, what do you guys put on? Is it chili flakes? Is it chili oil? Or yeah. is it actually like something? I remember... Um, my first time getting introduced to Thai chilies, like making sushi. And I was just like, okay, this is a whole different (laughs) level of heat. Like this isn't jalapeno. This isn't. And um, it's sharp too. It's sharp as it looks. It is. And I just was like, okay, so we only need one of these for everything we're doing today. You know, like stay away. It's so funny thinking about that and like how, how timid I was. And then literally like when I make a batch of like nam pla at home, like my recipe is like 35 to 40 Thai chilies mm-hmm. and that it's, you know, it's a bigger batch, but like, that's just where, that's where my palate has gone. And I, I just can't, I can't imagine going back to a world without hot sauce. Cause like, you know, I was a growing boy. I was eating everything, yep. playing sports, all that. And I literally, I, I just can't imagine a time where I would go even one day without some form of heat involved in something I ate. 
Yeah, I, I I love that. Uh, now I'm like addicted, and I like to get little hot sauces. Place I go, I have an aunt who actually like makes hot sauces, uh, and just like when you get to see that process of it, your mind just is like, oh, we can make all these different kind of flavors, and what are we, you know, what are we pairing this with, and um, yeah. it just. Now I I love it because it kind of ties back to that garden thing. It's like, sure. oh, like what are we actually using yeah. to make these? And right. so I enjoy it now and just get all these different kinds. And I kind of probably fall into the Chipotle one where I'm like taking the bottle home. Oh, yeah. So that's I mean, there's absolutely a Chipotle Tabasco in my fridge right now. And I absolutely did not pay for it. I mean, I did in a sense, but not directly. What are you talking about shoplifting here? I don't, allegedly. <laughs> uh, you put your armor on the door to yep. Chipotle and just yep. yank one? <laughs> it fell in the bag. I didn't push it. Whoops. <laughs> fell. Well, uh, we didn't have to shoplift our beverage tonight. We were actually given, uh, We were, this was given to us by our sponsor. Beam Suntory. Uh, Beam Suntory family, the, one of the greatest portfolios of spirits in the entire world. And uh, we've we've had a lot of their different expressions, a lot of crazy different boutique brands that they have. Charles and I were talking about it when you said that you wanted bourbon, Gerard. I was like, "All right, word." But the uh, the beam extra aged. Uh, I love 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 this product. I uh, this was I was telling a story off mic earlier. This was the first like higher end booze that I ever over imbibed on, and. It says something when you can go a little little too far, and then you still just think positively about it. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't even like I got to take a little time off. I was like I'm gonna I just I'm, I want more of that, and it still to this day is is just beautiful. It's everything that I like about Bean White Label. That beautiful brown sugary sweet note, mm-hmm. but everything lasts a little bit longer, and everything is just mellowed. Uh, it's just a gorgeous, especially again like we talked about. We there's still embers burning in the fireplace. And having a sip of this is exactly what it feels like to warm yourself from the inside out. Yeah, and we had a little bit of serendipity when we walked into the mansion. Uh, Catherine from the mansion here was finishing up her last tour. She had one cup left of cider and was like, do you want this? And we spilled it in two cups and then poured some bourbon into it. And it's like, it is so beautifully homogenized it's just like it's a perfect combination it is we talked cider with this is brilliant we've been through three winters on this podcast and we've talked a lot about Higa and kushli and i'll tell you what standing in this room with all ambient you know sort of small decorative lights setting up for the podcast while sipping on hot cider and bourbon fire was still kind of going fire still kind of going i mean yeah. it was perfect yeah and then we're you know we're sitting on these big plush like velvet chairs everything about this yeah. all we need is like some sort of a big blanket or like a fur and then you're just you're there it's all good a couple couple candles oh, and yeah. we, the whole thing would this be is, set this is close to be a mobster i'll tell you the closest i'm allowed to get it's all above board <laughs> everything here is being yes done. yes <laughs> Now, if we lock you in the vault downstairs, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah, when you asked me what I wanted to drink, I was like, hmm, let's check the weather. Uh, yeah. the, the options got real in. We're going to some really good red wine, or we're going to do bourbon. Hell yeah. I wish we planned for the cider. I'm sorry we don't have some. Yeah, it's, we, it was. I don't I know why we, we planned for that. Yeah, next time. Well, let's, uh, let's raise one up and say cheers. Uh, thank you again for being here. Cheers. And uh, yeah, let's just jump into it. So... As we've talked about, God, that's so good. As we've talked about, it is uh, across the country, 
it is crazy cold from Texas all the way to Minnesota. It's single digits or negative digits. And a lot of times what I'll do, especially if I'm driving around a lot for work, I'll start to like fantasize about like, what am I looking forward to when it's going to be warm out? Mm-hmm. And the first place my brain went was how much I slash we love summer barbecues, you know, get everybody over, you're cooking outside. Like you don't have to make a mess in your kitchen. You're just hanging out. You're cooking over fire, whether it's via pellet, via charcoal, via wood, via gas, whatever it is. You're outside. Everybody's having a good time. There's music playing. There's coolers full of stuff. So I'm not trying to speak for you, but I feel like you would be pretty talented at hosting it. Yeah, I might be the cookout king. But half of that goes, and and, and you know this, because my wife is probably the greatest uh, host that there can be. Oh, she kills it. With creating a party and the energy. But we love, love having people over for cookouts. Uh, We've been in our house three years, and uh, one of the big things that we wanted was a space to have people over. Yeah. We got a little above ground pool so the kids can play and, you know, we have an opportunity to have some space. I hate the yard work, but I absolutely love having space for people to run around and be outside. And um, for me, interesting enough, like my grandfather uh, was kind of like the pit master in the neighborhood that they grew up in. He had an old oil drum that was cut in half and he used to uh, smoke meats on it. And so um, as a kid, it was interesting because all the grandkids took to different things and I just stayed around the food. He would be back there and they're playing tag and riding bikes. And I just would be fascinated of like, how did he keep this fire going overnight? Or how, yeah. you know, like what type of wood is this? And the wood has different flavors. And, yeah. um, you know, we, we make the joke to say the food was so good in our family that ex-husband and ex-wives could get along just enough time to get a plate, you know? Yeah. So like they could, anybody could put their differences aside during mealtime. And so, and they made barbecue sauce and stuff like that. So when we, when we get an opportunity to do cookout, uh, I really enjoy like doing it up and, you know, I don't have to do very much to invite people. My friends just find their way over. I, I don't know. Um, I think we all have that problem. <laughs> and, you know, as a chef, it's interesting because, uh, my friends and family, um, they just bring groceries over to cook. So it's just like, hey, we're coming. <laughs> and instead of like bringing the thing done, it's just like the pack party pack of wings or the burger meat. And I'm like, okay, so I'm cooking this. And sometimes people will try to go out there before me and just kind of like spark it and wait to me and catch them like doing something incorrect so I can be like, oh, let me show you how to do this. And then they just beeline back into the yeah. house. And next thing you know, I've been on the grill for doing it. That's on, the, uh, on that's the Minnesota passive aggressive oh, way to ask God. somebody to, to work yep. the grill. <laughs> but I enjoy the dad vibes. I'm, I'm, I'm sandals in the apron and the, you yeah. know, sitting with a beer or something <laughs> yeah. out there and like enjoying, enjoying the time. We play oldies and like uh, both my, my mom and my mother-in-law will come over and, just hang out and kick it, man. So I enjoy it. People get to take stuff home. And, like, those times for me, I think even as a child, like with my grandparents in their backyard, is just, like, some of the best memories. And hospitality industry works so hard. So if you get some summer weekends off mm-hmm. to just, like, yeah. hang out with the fam, I can, like, put my phone in the vault. Like, I don't need to see my phone at all. I can just chill with the people. Little dominoes, little spades, and I'm a happy camper. Yeah. Well, so here's here's the difficulty, right? So – I, Charles and I are both the same way and I love to just kind of do the whole spread and just have everybody come and like, here's plates, here's plates. The The question is you're going to somebody else's and you can only bring one thing. <sighs> What's your one thing? Mm. Cause that makes it a lot harder. Cause like, I want to be like, I'm going to bring this and then you go this with this and then this comes with this and then you got a side of that. Nope. One thing. Mm. 
Um, that's a difficult one. I'm probably pretty judgmental based upon whose house I'm going to. <laughs> um, but I would say a lot of times I think we uh, bring baked beans. Oh. Uh, my wife makes, we have kind of like this hodgepodge that's some of her recipes, some of mine, so that we bring. And she does like baked beans with the ground beef in it. It's interesting things, like her own little style. Mm. Uh, I don't think I've had but that. It's, but it's hearty. It has a really good flavor and she does like some uh, mustard and ketchup and barbecue and oh, yeah. a relish and it's like is it like a seven bean is it like multiple beans or it's not it like mul- a- it's not multiple but it has like i don't know the flavor is just way 10 times more than your you know normal thing out the pan so my, my friend's wife makes a dish like that and it's got the ketchup and the ground beef and all that yeah. and i think she calls it like a seven bean baked bean. i think i heard of that before because it's got like green beans in it too oh, okay i don't know if there's seven beans in it but there's like <laughs> bean beans and there's green beans next thing you have it you're just gonna yell prove it Get line them up line them up so we bring that i think i get asked for potato salad a lot okay um i i can make a lot of various types of potato salad from Norwegian to Southern and something that I enjoy. And so something when people ask, it used to be the thing that my mom made really good. And I think I kind of got like knighted with that at a certain point. She just was like, I'm not cooking anymore. Mm-hmm. Here's, you know, the recipes, you know how to make them. So if it's family She's gathering, like, put the cayenne on it. yeah, she'll put the cayenne on top yeah. and like, that'll be <laughs> her thing. So potato salad, I think I get asked for a lot and something that I like. And it just takes, you know, potato salad is one of those things. It just takes a long time. You got to boil the potatoes right. and then peel them and then dice them up and cool them down and then mix them. And so it can be a little bit of a process, but uh, people love it. And I do a bunch of different variations with like smoked salmon or uh, I Ooh, can do like yeah. a dill yeah. and, you know, a dill version or like a Southern one with olives and pimentos. And so yeah, people ask for like, stuff like that. My I, wife's mom makes the one with the olives in it. She's not Southern. I don't, well, no, she's, I guess originally from Florida. I didn't know where that came from until the first time I had it. And I was like, that's kind of good, actually. Salty, you know, a little salty vibe yeah, in there. So. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think I would actually maybe fuck with potato salad if, if those were my options. I, I just can't deal the yellow mayonnaise... Minnesota mm-hmm. one that whether it has raisins or not, I just can't. Ooh, I no, don't never get out of here. I don't. So I just after a couple of bad experiences, I just stay away from it. Like, and, I just, and it is, and that is the reason why I get asked to make it because it is one of those things that can vary so widely. And like, even what you get in the grocery store, Mrs. Jerry's or something like that is like different than what I grew up on eating. So right, if it is something a little more difficult. People will ask for me to bring that. Mm. I got a. I got one homie who when he came to the barbecue it was almost like pulling teeth to tell him if it was like potluck style and when i lived on marshall and i was a young bachelor i'd be like i'm gonna cook all the meats you guys bring sides it was like pulling teeth and he would almost always bring like a tub of reesers Mm. like the the (laughs) potato salad and it's like i was like no one's gonna eat that no (laughs) Uh -uh. nobody wants that tub of reesers and that's the dude also my one friend who would bring He'd bring himself a steak and hand it to me to cook it for him. Oh, fuck like, that. Oh, man. man. One steak. He knows who he is, too. Did I say his name? I didn't say No, you didn't. Know, you know who you are if you're listening. Boo! <laughs> yeah, that's Boo horrible. this man. <laughs> I'd give him shit on the spot. He knows I'd be like, That steak doing? would be half as big. By yeah, the time exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on the that. The chef's treat is half nope. a steak. Nope. <laughs> you got you to gotta tithe to the barbecue. Okay, I want to hear what your, your treatment is for the potato salad you make that has smoked salmon in it, though. 
I love smoked salmon. Hell yeah. Me too. One of the jewels of my childhood of growing up in Seattle Ooh. is I used to ride my bike to the Puget Sound and go fishing. Mm. And uh, the natives uh, in the area, they clean fish for you. So it's like how they make money. They clean fish and smoke it for you. So you're up on the pier or you're on your boat. You catch your fish. You come back to the docks. And um, they'll clean for a couple bucks. They'll clean your fish for you if you don't want to go through that process. And then they'll also smoke it. So you catch some early in the day. And you're like, hey, come back in an hour. We'll give you your fish. Oh, that's red. And so it would be like fresh mm-hmm. and just back then. I don't know. I, not that I'm that old, but I feel like when I was a kid, like the salmons were big and people just weren't like doing all the stuff to inspect how big. And they just were like catch the fish, whatever. They don't care. Um, and so uh, smoked salmon, one of my just indulgent treats. And then like. You know, I don't know if you've ever been like the Pike Place, but like one yeah, of the things you yeah. go to Pike Place and they have these big like smoke uh, fish little section of the market. You can get all the brown sugar and this and that. So uh, one of the things we uh, end up doing is we take it. We do do a southern style that has um, a little bit of the mustard and mayo in there. But we uh, do celery, we do onions, um, and then we also put the smoked salmon in there. And the smoked salmon just gives it like this velvetiness where it's half potato salad but half like smoked whitefish dip. Ooh, and it just lives cool. like in the middle of I that, am here. In that space. Uh, and it's delicious and something that you're not expecting. And I also like to crush up a little bit of laced potato chips and like put it on the top so you get a little yeah. crispy texture. Nice. And then you get the you know, smoked salmon bits in it and people are eating, you know, eating the dish as eating the dip as it goes along. So Ooh. I just you, did a, uh, oh, I did a deviled egg bar for a holiday meal yes. with my, um, with my in-laws. And one of the toppings I had was yep. smoked salmon and go wrong with that. And I had, I had smoked salmon capers and some, Oh, and like chives. And I did that on one and I was like, I could just make these. Mm-hmm. It, it was so good. Yep. That sounds that, that similar actually sounds flavors, perfect. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Similar flavors. Actually, a lot, I've done some deviled eggs. Uh, I've done some deviled eggs where we use pretty much that filling without the potato, and just like it's pretty much same stuff. Right. Use the filling without potato, and yeah. then we'll pipe it in, and mm. it's delicious. Heck yeah, I want that. I want that now. <laughs> I like I I've I I had never smoked fish before. I got a Traeger, and oh, uh, you I was a big boy. Yeah, and I was going all just like like meats. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had, when I, years and years ago, I had worked for a brewery up in Duluth and whenever I was up there, I'd always bring some, uh, Northern waters smoked fish home. And yes. I was heading, instead of going straight home, Legendary. I was heading, yes. Duluth, Minnesota. If you, Legendary. if you go through Duluth, if you have, if you do nothing else that we tell you, please go to Northern waters and get, get some smoked fish, get a sandwich, get a sandwich there, there and then take go. that to go. Um, and I went straight to the cabin to meet up with my mm-hmm. in-laws and uh, my mother-in-law is more of like a, she's like a snacker. Mm-hmm. Like she'll just yep. kind of cruise around and like, she has a little bit here and a little bit there and boop. And she fucking housed <laughs> that smoked salmon. Yep. And so I was like, like, all right, here's a cool idea. Like I, I grew up where you like, you brought like a, a hostess present when you went somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that became my thing. And it's her favorite thing on earth. She likes sweet. And she likes sweet and salty and a little itty bitty bit of heat. And so I just started doing smoked salmon at home with um, maple syrup and, and Cajun. Ooh. And it gives it that like sweet, salty. Like I just, I literally use Slappy Mama and real maple syrup. I'm mad I didn't know about this first. Second, oh. I'm mad I haven't had it. I'm taking well, notes. That's because it, it, all, it all goes to her, but I'll, I'll make some up. It, right. it, it's turned into my addiction. And then like I did the same thing that you guys were talking about. It was like, what can I put this on? Let's yeah. put it on that. Let's put it on that. And my oh. favorite bite was actually a scoop of 
like baked macaroni and cheese Ooh. with that on top. Oh, come on. Ooh, I do do some pastas, like the white sauce with smoked salmon. My mother just made mm. uh, like Southern breakfast thing, but she just made salmon croquettes. Oh, and yeah. She folded yeah. in a smoked salmon with the mix and it changed the game. We were just, we housed, she made a bunch and I was like, oh mom, this is too much. And we ate them all. <laughs> oh mom, it's not enough. <laughs> yeah. The croquettes, are the, those are so dangerous because you're like, oh, I could just have one more. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you just look and you put back like 20. That's it. <laughs> all right, Charles, what would you, what was your one item if you were handcuffed? You know, I, I came in like not really knowing. I do this, you know, pretty frequently, but honestly, when we landed on hot sauce, that's the answer. Going to, and we make our own hot sauce as well. Kwam and I both make hot sauces. We've had a hot sauce party uh, multiple times. We've talked about that on the pot as well. But one thing, one element, if you're going to somebody else's barbecue is you don't necessarily know that they're going to bring the heat literally. Yeah. You don't know if you're going to be able to like spice things up. And I like everything almost, almost universally. I think things are better if they have a little bit of capsaicin. So that's the thing where I almost always have some on hand that I've made and it's a nice gift too. So you can, you know, bring two or bring one and let them keep the remaining, the remainder of the bottle. But that's a great thing to have if you go to someone's barbecue and they say they're like grilling chicken or making pizzas in their uni or grilling steaks or making ribs, whatever, having hot sauce on hand. If you don't know if they have any is pretty critical. Just throw that thing on the table. I think that's a, I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty safe universal bet. It's going to get used again. I like that. The gift that keeps on giving. For sure. I feel like uh, we need to get rid of one of these sound cues that uh, we don't use very often and just get something from like Saving Private Ryan where you have like uh, Tom Sizemore just like, sniper on the roof. There's a sniper on the roof. Because you can totally snipe me. And this happens a lot. (laughs) Weird. It's, it's, we're very similar. Pew, pew. Mm, Pew, pew. Uh, So I was going to say that, but I came with a backup because I thought that was a pretty good chance that I could. I could see you saying that. Wow. See, I didn't even come with that. And I sniped you. Yep. (laughs) So ostensibly it would be, I like to bring burgers. Okay. I enjoy buying like cuts of meat and grinding it at home and seasoning it. Well, getting good buns, getting some good cheese. And then I make, uh, I think I've talked about on the show before I make a, uh, bacon onion makers, Mark whiskey, jam that sounds amazing and it takes it's it's the only thing that's a pain in the ass about it is you kind of have to just stand over it for 45 minutes low and slow yeah you just got to keep reducing keep reducing hit the blender bring it back in keep reducing add a little butter keep reducing and it's fucking fantastic and it's also a nice gift that keeps on giving because that shit it stays good in your fridge for months there's a there's multiple uses for bacon jam yep so like and then like if i bring the burgers that's like okay i made a thing and now we can just heat it up i don't need to use any of your kitchen stuff because that's that's what's tough like i've gone to barbecues and i brought like macaroni and cheese that just had to get baked but if that oven is in use like You know, you're just kind of stuck sitting there. Oven's usually the warmer at the cookout time, and so yeah. it always sucks when somebody's like, "Hey, this has got to go in for 40 minutes." I'm yeah. like, Take like, Fuck. the rest of dinner out and put it on the table while we <laughs> heat up your mac and cheese. Thank you. So I was trying to figure out, like, okay, you could prep that. Come, there's going to be a hot grill, so you can throw it on on some good burgers. And I do enjoy watching people's faces because there's always a few people at cookouts that like only get the frozen patties in the box at the supermarket. And nothing against that. I've eaten plenty of those in my day. But it's fun watching somebody that, like, just tries a burger. Like, what did you do? And I'm like, oh, I just made it. Yeah. Like, that's that's the I, only I, difference. I agree. I, I had a chance to work at a burger chain, and we were 
grinding the burgers fresh and had to go through that the whole thing to get the cuts of meat and actually went to the farm where the cows were and understood the whole process. And so it is a huge difference. It is, you know, even when you start to look at like if you're grinding, grinding things and, you know, your fat contributions that come in and things that are double ground and things that are single ground and how cold the equipment is, like when you get through it, you can oversimplify, but you also can like craft a really incredible burger and i'm somebody who likes my spices throughout Mm -hmm. i don't really like just the like heavy salt and pepper on the outside i want whether it's like onions or whatever it is Mm -hmm. i want a little bit of that flavor folded in um and back when i was doing that we actually used to cut butter into the burger so we would like grate the grate the butter on a cheese grater throw it back in the freezer it was already feathered out and then you're just dumping the butter back in the grinder as it's cold and it just is melting I'll throw I'll throw an extra layer on that. I've even made compound butter and then Ooh. shaved that in. So there's a there's a, a barbecue supply company called Meat Church, and they have mm-hmm. uh, a hot hog honey. It's um, it's crystallized honey and cayenne pepper, and I'll make a compound butter out of that, and then I'll shave that in. So Ooh. there's a little bit of sweetness. Yep. So then you got salt and pepper and that, and then you hit the the bacon jam on one or bo- both sides of the bun. And then you also have that same. It's also salty and sweet. So it's kind of echoing through the entire thing. Mm. And then you don't have like, you don't have the long strip of bacon that's hanging over the edge or the piece that's like way too crunchy or the one that's just like gross and chewy. Like everything is uniform and I didn't have to use anybody else's cooking stuff. And I just, I I love that because it's like, oh, you know, maybe somebody doesn't like to, there's people that don't like to eat things like off the bone. Or there's some people that like would prefer something more done. And it's kind of tough when you're looking at a big piece of meat, yep. but come with the burgers. It's easy. It's decently affordable. And you can just, Hey, then people got something for snack and in between big courses. Burger, burgers are also good. Cause they're the, they're the multi-generational food at the barbecue or the mm-hmm. cookout. Like right. old folks are eating burgers. The kids are eating burgers. Like mm-hmm. they're usually not going to go to waste. And, you're you're probably gonna re even if there is a burger patty or two, somebody's gonna reheat it the next yeah. need it later at the snack. Also that bacon onion jam is incredible on a brat like a bratwurst in a bun. I you can know, see that. Just yeah. Bringing that. Yeah, yeah. That with some whole ground mustard. Mm, yep. Give me some spicy, Ooh. big, like tart, chunky mustard. I'm here yeah. for that. Okay, so you guys were talking spicy and you were talking barbecue. So I gotta ask you. Where are you guys on the hot link? Because that's a that's a got must have. I'm here for it. Okay, yeah, that's a must have for sure. Uh, my wife is not letting us have a cookout if there's not some kind of hot link mm-hmm. situation. I'd rather have a hot link than a lot of things nope. that are found at a barbecue. I'd rather and, have a hot link than a pork rib. And it's rad when you can find one that's that's like when your palates are the way ours are. It's great when you can find one that's also like hot mm-hmm. you know like um, oh absolutely we we're we're blessed and i'm sure everyone listening out there i hope your city has a a, a deli butcher shop like we do but uh we have Kumarchaks in northeast yep. and i mean their andouille sausage is legitimately hot and i love having that if i can't find like anything else good i'll do that mm-hmm. and then thin slice yeah, it into coins eat. and man dude that's it. throw that with the mac and cheese oh oh we that is my shit right there i love it absolutely and then like you know the ice cold beers just go down a little bit better they do you know i just mm-hmm. uh, the, the whole thing it just becomes like a an ouroboros of i i eat my mouth is hot i drink something cold now i want something hot and spicy that's it's another easy answer just bring a case of high life yes yeah no one's gonna be mad we're gonna need more god bless my brother-in-law he knows we just have a thing he's ringing beer yeah and you know it 
it's funny because he's gotten a little more craft as the years have gone on as I've known him. So I'm just like, oh, okay, like, what are you bringing this time? And so yeah. I always bring something different. And uh, the women in my house are usually making sangria or, you know, having some Bahama Breeze. I don't know what they're drinking, but mm. uh, bring a little beer. We have our little cool. We always have the two coolers. That's that's the rules. We got a kitty cooler, Capri Suns, and juice boxes. Yeah. And then, you know, we got one with the good stuff. So I got to ask you a direct question you just reminded me of. So, uh, is Brittany the one who's behind, is it the Beyonce lemonade? Yes. At Soul Bowl? Yes. <clears throat> that is the only thing that I can say this last summer that I was missing from my barbecues. <laughs> Cause I have tried at home to recreate this yes. and I have failed miserably every time. Yes. So this, uh, that's funny. The queen bee lemonade. Sometimes I feel like it's larger than Soul Bowl itself. <laughs> Um, it's just legendary. The flavors always are just amazing. Um, and so we make this blueberry lavender syrup in house. Uh, and then we cut that back into the lemonade that we make. And so we get the lavender buds and cook down like the simple syrup. And it's kind of funny because both of us have grown up in the industry. And so we're in a QSR, you know, quick service restaurant setup, but it's a bar syrup. So we kind of prep it like, you know, you would like you were making this for a cocktail. Yeah. So it's not too sweet. The, the floral notes are balanced with the berry notes. Mm. Uh, and so it was interesting. We uh, launched that at the fair last year. And, you know, going into the fair first year, we bring these Capri Suns, these juice pouches, and people didn't know what to think because everything for 100 years has been this state fair cup yep, that right. has the logo on it. And so I come with the pouches and, you know, I had to bring it up in our meeting just to say, hey, can I bring this? And they're like, okay, yeah, whatever, you know, there's no alcohol in it. No, no, no. And so we have our labels on it and we brought it. And so the first probably four days of the fair, people are a little timid. They're buying some food from us. They, you know, will get one. The last four days of the fair, people are buying lemonades. I kid you not. Six, seven, eight at a time. <laughs> For real. <laughs> and we, I think the first year, was something like 6,500 we filled by hand. Whoa. Like, it got nuts. Like, I had people making lemonades, <clears throat> and we froze them probably half of it. And then the second half was just, like, nonstop around the clock. Like, luckily, the food scene is slow during the fair because if it was actually busy, we would have ran out, you know. <laughs> And that first year, you're just like, please, Lord, don't let me run out of <laughs> something. You know, Anything. like, let me have enough food to get through. And those lemonades, like, the second year coming around, people just are back in line. And they're just like, this is what it is. The moms love it. It's probably one of the only resealable non-alcoholic drinks you can get mm -hmm. on the ground. So you can throw it yeah, in the bag. You're not right. going to finish it. And, I mean, it is the perfect thing it's funny because we wanted to have something that's reminiscent to a Kool-Aid or, you know, like something to finish a, a, a proper Southern meal, like soul food meal. And this Queen Bee Lemonade, man, is like taking off. It's so good. And <clears throat> I've said this about a few things before, but <clears throat> you know something is amazing when you burp and the smell of your burp makes you oh, happy. There you go. <laughs> you know, like, it's that's, that's a weird thing to yeah, say, I, but it I literally, <laughs> oh my God, but it smells so good. And, oh, and then you yeah. just, oh my God, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I've gotten close, but I don't, my, my okay. proportions aren't right on when it comes to that we, syrup. We're going to hook you up. We're going to hook you up. It also <laughs> is, it just gets better as a slushy, you know, if it half freezes yeah, and then you okay. get it, yeah. it's just even better. A granita and, or something. You know, because it's in the little bottle, if you, if you end up spiking it, you know, we get people like, oh, have you guys ever thought about Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, of course we, we have. have. We haven't just thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it it it's it's just magical. I love that stuff, and 
opening the new space, I had like a, you know, two weeks where I wasn't uh, in Soul Bowl eating, you know, my lunch and dinner as I normally do and got to have one on the ride home. And it just is like, wow, this is still whether I'm selling this or not. This is delicious. And my son just comes in the cooler. He's six. He just comes in the restaurant. He knows where they're at. And he just grabs one. He's not looking <laughs> for permission. He's just like, I'm here. I'm getting a lemonade. So. Put it on my tab. Lemonade man. and cornbread. He will not be denied. <laughs> oh, well, hey, cheers to that. Cheers, fellas. Mm. To all of us and Queen Bee. All right. Oh, hold on real quick. It just occurred to me. I, I just immediately read it because all your food items at Soul Bowl are linked to, to musicians. Yes. But that's also your wife, Queen Bee. Yes. So it was interesting. You Sorry. know, we started the craze after the Beyonce lemonade thing was a fad as kind of like a little homage to that. Um, and then I ended up switching it to Queen Bee. It just got so popular. And uh, it's interestingly enough, when you got a little small brand and you're not thinking anything of it, you're paying homage to some things. And not this specific thing, but I got a cease and desist about something else. Ooh. And I was like, okay, so I'm happy we're big enough that this person actually <laughs> yep. sees that, you know, my little item is there. So that didn't happen with the Beyonce thing. Uh, I would have probably still been stoked about getting a cease and desist from Beyonce. Yeah, hell yeah. But, uh, so we ended up, I ended up switching it just to be Queen B because it was her creation. And, you know, she's, That's awesome. she's a soul food queen around here. Sorry, that just, it literally just occurred That's to me it. right now. No, you're on it. Charles. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to start out on this one just cuz I don't want it to seem more complicated than it than it is but it could be taken so many different ways. Gerard, people don't always say I love you. What's something else someone can say that means the same thing? So I'm going to start out and say you can use the bathroom first. Like if I'm on out with my wife and we're heading home and we're full of coffee, we're at the farmers market or something, and we're busting through the door and we're tumbling up the stairs, taking our shoes off and she's like you can go. You can go first. That's like, thank you so much. That's like a way for someone to say "I love you" without saying the words "I love you." Do any examples come to mind? <sighs> so much of it is food, which nope. is sure, interesting. So, um, I think in my house it is uh, somebody making dinner, uh, and you know, as entrepreneurs, we're both busy. We have a six-year-old, so I think between me and my wife, if uh, she makes something that she knows is like one of my favorite things that she makes. Um, she makes a, she makes this really good, uh, ramen that I love that she makes. It's really good. Um, and so it's something that I asked for. She, she'll make that from time to time. Um, she also will, she, you know, she does her little taco night. And for me, taco night is cool because I just want something chill sometimes, you know, as you're looking, you know, yeah. you're in a restaurant and everything is just overanalyzed. Like I want something that's chill. I know it's consistent. It's high quality. She's going to make the salt. She's going to make pico. She's going to make guac. We're going to do all the fixings. Um, so for me, it's like, if you walk in and you see people cooking for me is that. So the people that know me is like, <laughs> if they make time to cook for the chef and it's not like I'm intimidated to cook for the chef because I don't know mm -hmm. if my food is up to par, if they're just like, you know what? He eats actual food too. And they make a little something. I'm just like, you love me today. And yeah. I get the, uh, I get the feeling for that. Um, I'm trying to think what, what words would, uh, what words would do, would do it for me. I mean, it, it's even just that though. I think, yeah, I think the, that's it is like, like even the act. It's yeah. Like, it's like, Someone saying I love you. They don't need to say, it. yeah, mm -hmm. right. It's not the words; it's the act. Oh, I will tell you, it, it's breakfast. 
Yeah, okay. So in my line of work, we're up early. There's not a lot of days I'm home, especially I got to pick get my son up and get him to school. Yeah. So there's not a lot of days that I can be home to enjoy breakfast, but I love breakfast. Mm. And so if it's one of those things like I'm sleeping in and I wake up to the smell of breakfast, oh, man. Magic. Like, it's magic. So that's one of those things I really enjoy, and I don't get to do it as much as I probably want to or should be able to because we're busy, but – the breakfast thing, I'm just like, oh, for you to get up and make breakfast and let me sleep in, I'm just like. That's a good one. Yeah. I love that. <sighs> so uh, I, I've we, we've talked about it a lot on the show. I will continue to talk about it. Therapy is like the best thing ever. And Cheers it's, to that. it's helping me yes. learn to be a better version of myself. Cheers to that. And uh, while it's funny for me to say, like, as somebody who talks for a living on this show, uh, I'm not always the best communicator. You know, uh, from somebody else to me, sometimes you got to hit me in the head for me to realize you're trying to tell me something if you don't outright, yep. you know, say it. <clears throat> and one of the things, um, my therapist was talking to me about like love languages and whatnot, and I'm familiar with the idea. I'm not very familiar with like the individual concepts yep. and all that. And uh, she was kind of pointing out that one of the things that's a, that could be a dividing block between a couple is just if your love languages are off, yep. you're both trying to say it to each other, but you're not saying it in the way that the other one can hear. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> I wanted to view this as a two-way road. So my telling somebody that I love you is uh, I've, I've kind of changed my sleeping patterns. I'm up a lot earlier for work because we have morning meetings all the time. And so I've been trying to get up on Saturdays and just start cleaning the house. Mm. And that was something that my partner has done without asking. That's just Saturday morning. She just yep. got up. That's her routine. That's how she's always been. So I've been trying to like jump it and kind of get going on it. Yep. And I that's like, dope. I feel really good about it, you know, yeah. just like get going. And sometimes she'll join me. Sometimes I'm like, just stay and read, yep. like hang out in bed and read. I got it. That's like, I'm trying to do that. The other way <clears throat> for me is it's the same thing. It's I cook 99% of the food and there are, my wife is not a bad cook. She, she makes really good shit. She just, she doesn't love to go exploring the way that maybe we do. Yep. And her mom makes a very specific spaghetti recipe. And it's the only thing that I can watch my wife. If she does a big batch, I'll watch her eat that for four days straight. Mm -hmm. And I can't quite go that far, but I have absolutely learned to love it. And that's my like, Hey babe, any chance you'd want to make spaghetti this week? Mm. And her eyes light up mm. and she's like, yeah. And I want to pretend it's because she's providing for me. But I think a lot of it is that she gets to eat spaghetti for the next four <laughs> days in a row without me making some weird ass shit. Yep. Uh, but it's, it's like, I, I love that. And I love like the sound of her just kind of floating around the kitchen while she's making stuff. She's literally been making that with her mom since she was a kid. Yep. So there's no, like, there's no recipe. There's no like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do this right. It's like a, it's like the way that like if you performed a dance in like your high school dance troupe and then you just kept doing it, like she has the whole thing down and it just goes. And there's times where I'll like I'll read at the dining room table or I'll work on some stuff, and I'll just look into the kitchen, and it's just like it's like she's floating on air, mm -hmm. and it's rad. And then I get to do the dishes. Yeah. So like, hey babe, I'm gonna put it all away for you. You tell me what you want. Do you want one little like lunch thing? Do you want it all in one? You want the sauce over here and the nudes over here? What you need, girl? Because she, because I cook, she does the dishes yep. almost every time. So having that little role reversal is also like it, it's just like 
you just feel it. There's just love like all the way around. Yeah. I had to grow. I think I definitely had to grow into that uh, space as a husband because I'm just, you know, used to naturally cooking. So when it came to like flipping on the other side, like you said, once I got that rhythm of like mine is I get up early. Uh, if, if I'm getting up early, I'll get up early. I put like my little book. I'm listening to audio book and just like do the kitchen, you know, before she gets a chance to get to it. And it's like when you catch that vibe, it's just like the doors are opening. It's like Ramada, you know, around your house. Things mm. just magically are a lot easier. So oh, uh, I've learned that. Yeah. But I also, you know, just make the money and invest in a good dishwasher to help you out. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I'm a great rinser and I'm a good Tetris uh, dishwasher <laughs> loader and I can put things away immaculately. I, uh, I, I still wash dishes by hand and I do 98% of the dishwashing in our house. Yeah. I just, I've always done it. I, Child, child of foreign parents. It's just yep. that's how you do it. You got your soap tub on that side, then the rinse mm-hmm. tub on that side. I just I I prefer it. I don't even know honestly. I don't know how to use the dishwasher. I I don't. I'm sure I could figure it out if I like looked at it for ten minutes, but I, just, my, I don't know how to use. My it. My dad's the same way. I he had a dishwasher for 27 years, and I've never seen him use it unless like there was like some like a lot going on, and it was multi steps in cooking. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the bigger stuff will go in there because we just didn't have room. But I, I, every time, like my, if I picture my dad, my dad would burn hot dogs. Like he, he's that bad in the kitchen, but he's really, really elite at washing dishes. And when I picture okay. him, the only time I can picture my dad in the kitchen is he's got a drying towel over his shoulder. Yep. He's go. got his sleeves rolled up yeah. and he's got go. like, he knows exactly how much soap to get the suds. So they're up over the top of the sink, <laughs> but the water is below it. Like that's, that's, that's how I picture him in the kitchen. Yeah. I love my mom because she like is transitioning to try to use the dishwasher but she pretty much washes them before she puts them in (laughs) and i'm like uh these look pretty clean Um, i don't know if they need to run through the cycle but that was my childhood i was the dishwasher we did not we ate out a little bit more special stuff but we they cooked a lot when i was a kid and I had the bus uh, like I was the we call it dish dog in, in my family. Like you're, <laughs> you're the dish dog. And so uh, I was like washing dishes and I just couldn't stand it. But it's interesting, like the more you do it, you learn the techniques. You're anal about people scraping plates and uh-huh. separating and stacking and, you know, putting your stuff away. And so like I just now I, I take the step back and I'm blessed to have skipped that position in my uh, restaurant <laughs> career. So yeah. I started on pizzas. So. Charles, well, what about you? Well, I, I said my little one. I was, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm treating this like cute things. It's cool to take this any way you want. I'll throw another cute little one in there. My wife always lets me have the window on the plane because I'm bigger, mm. bigger than her. She's always like, you want the window? And I'm like, if you're offering, I'm going to take it. If you want it, you can have it. She's always like, you can take it. I'm like, All right. And she knows that's why. Because I'm bigger. I want to be able to. I got a bad neck and I'm bigger than she is. So does, does, nice she lean, does she lean into you? Like on the flight, does she like put her head on your shoulder? Uh, she's usually reading the whole fucking time. Long flights, sure. That's Long flights, because yeah. that was that was the agreement. Like with with Jenny and I was like, I either get the aisle or the window for sure, and then she falls asleep right away. Like she's like a uh, like a kid in the back of a car. Yep. Like the minute it's going, she's you know watch a movie for a while, then she's out. Marnie will read or I'll iPad kid her and be like, we can sync both our headphones and watch a movie together. Like, come on, put the book yep. down. Yep. I do Hit love the that. double screens yeah. like, boop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, that's my favorite. Oh yeah, but I, dude, I load up so many shows and shit on my iPad. It's a 12.9 inch screen. The audio quality on our iPad, our iPod pros are so much better. So I'm like, 
Sorry, what I call them? iPods? I- iPod Pros? AirPod? AirPod Pro? Something like that. AirPods Pro? Yeah. Whatever. But like, and you can sync multiple to one screen. Yep. I'm always like ready to rock. Like, I got 10 episodes of this show. Let's fucking start. If we start now, we're flying overseas. We'll be done by the time we land. Yep. <laughs> yeah, my wife, my wife lets me, that is one of the things I appreciate. She does let me get the window from traveling for business. I just naturally go to sleep uh, because sometimes I would, have there was a crazy stretch where I would be like get up in the morning go to the airport fly to whatever fly to DC get off the airport it's too early to check in you work your whole restaurant shift and then go and check into the airport like late night and so mm-hmm. I just learned like he, I'm gonna be jet lag I have to work a shift so I need to sleep as much as I can now so I'm like one of those people that sleep before they do the safety instructions uh and so I always appreciate being able to kind of get that window and snuggle in it's interesting now with the kid though uh because sometimes they split us up and i'm just like stuck in the middle and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) so it's three of us and they split us i'm just like okay you can say what you can you can say what mommy i'll sit over here (laughs) (laughs) oh well cheers to that cheers another way to say i love you cheers cheers is the way to say i love you charles i was just looking did you go back to back i am yeah me again All right, Gerard. Indoor food markets are finally having their moment after what feels like decades of struggling to make these concepts take hold. Yes. (coughs) Pardon me. How meaningful are those types of uh, communal spaces, food and communal spaces for the community and society overall, especially in colder climates? So let me pull my my, uh, food hall soapbox out. Um, You know, for me... Food halls were such a, a, a cool thing and they took an opportunity. It took a while to catch. I think it is really because of uh, just like the laws in those spaces, like the laws weren't clean. The city wasn't necessarily prepared of how all these different concepts are going to be able to execute in the same place. And then if you're trying to get a liquor license in there, where does the space end? Where does it start? Right. Uh, and so it kind of was just a nightmare for how the restaurant laws were currently set up. So it took some time for them to catch up to that space. Uh, and then also like communal walk-ins, you know, you got five, six restaurants using the same walk-in, same dish, same dry storage. And, you know, a lot of your inspections in those spaces are just like pass or fail, which is difficult to yeah. deal with when you have running an independent business. But for me, when I got started in Sobo was brand new. Um, I kind of took the bet in, you know, North Loop wasn't the first place that somebody would be like, hey, go open your soul food restaurant in North Loop. Um, but just kind of looking the way the neighborhood was progressing and, and you know, being close. We were in North Minneapolis and we were doing a ton of catering in downtown. And so North Loop presented like this little happy medium for mm-hmm. us to be in. And then, you know, it also was a cool affluent neighborhood. We also had the twins traffic coming through. And so I was like, I think this could definitely be dope. And I don't know anything that's over there, uh, which was good for me. You know, like I like right. to take on the challenge of like, hey, we're going into this space and it's not like a ton of restaurants around you. Okay, great. Let's create the demand in this space. Um, a lot of restaurants can't, you know, coming up, we get the, the food hall space gets a lot of people who 
are in threefolds. One of them primarily is like food truck. So in Minnesota, now you get an opportunity to be able to do your food truck thing year round, which just created so much more revenue. You can maybe retain staff members instead of having them seasonal, uh, which is really difficult. You also get like up and coming people. So I had a career as a chef and then I get out of the corporate business and start a concept. I'm doing pop-ups, I'm doing catering. And now I have a space where I can create this, uh, concept and get people in. Um, and then the last lens, what I'm starting to see is like big chefs, big restaurants shifting down into making smaller concepts that don't have as much top and heavy. They don't have to, you know, fit all of the costs for this and they can just sell their product. So I'm seeing like those three things for us. There's like a lot of protection in numbers. Um, I love the, I always like restaurants that was something else. So like I got to do my internship at like uh, Wolfgang at 2021 and was here in the Walker mm, and right. love places like art gallery or music. So much of hip hop is what we do. So when it was a food hall, I'm like, Oh, it's all these places. I love one, the competition energy. I'm, I'm an athlete yeah, at heart. Yeah, so yeah. I love like, cool, you got this really cool thing. I need to try to top that and do that now. And that's all in the, in the building. But what was also nice is that all of us brought a customer base of three, 400 people. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea that they were going to be able to eat our food until they got sick of it. And then one day they were going to come in and say, Hey, there's tacos next door. I've mm-hmm. eaten that Sobel 10 times in a row. I want to try yeah. that. And that mix for me, I loved because I'm like, I want my people to go somewhere else and try the food or get something from both places and right. vice versa. If you love the burger downstairs at two mixed up and you're crushing that and then you want a side of plantains with it, like you have there's something for everyone in that space. Um, I think people have also been super picky and wanting to customize their stuff. And so you bring a picky family, a large business group to a yep. food hall, like there's way so much Uh, less stress like we recently just even started booking events and i come from like old school restaurant are you getting the chicken are you getting the fish or the steak you got to pick the whole thing and it's much difficult and you get all these allergy things Mm -hmm. you bring them to a food hall and give them some gift cards and set them loose and now they can create their own meal and get something that they love and so a lot of strength in numbers you know for most of us in the space we couldn't afford have a restaurant in north loop plus the liquor license and manage the front of house staff all out of the gate and for a lot of chefs even if they do end up closing it's a lot less exposure than having taken on the million dollar loan and taking the place out and signing the five or ten year lease in a spot you know you can get a couple years three four years at a space um some places do uh percentage uh rent so that it's tied to your sales so maybe you do you know fifty thousand dollars this month and you're paying you know three four grand for your rent or maybe you know you're doing a thousand dollars this month and you're only paying a couple hundred bucks it's set up in a way that kind of has some stability so i love it um i think that food halls uh in minnesota are also cool because there's so much cuisine of the outdoor stuff that we don't really get a chance to taste during the winter so if you look at all the little stuff you like you love sea salt eater you love this or that like a lot of those flavors you may not get to taste but a food hall is like small places probably food truck a little bit more ethic a little bit more authentic to what they do and now you've created a place where like they all can eat together uh, North Loop is dope because there's like one grocery store. So you just assume people are eating out the majority of the time. And, you know, you also get to open them, flip them to delivery, which kind of pushes them. And, you know, the downtown area delivery is also big. So it creates a really good um, incubator, I'll say. 
that you can come in with very minimal experience, just know your product. Like, you know, we, we used to have a guy who was um, just doing Pokeballs and they would come in and set up and mm. like you can be doing just one thing very good. Yeah. Right. And then you can grow into a space where you're ready to, you know, take on the next step of having your own restaurant and you get to build your visibility without so much of the investment like you're in the food hall our food hall has uh marketing that's done for the building that pushes the restaurants and you know a lot of that is just can be invaluable and if you get some you know you get a soul bowl you get a union monk kitchen that's in your building in the mix of like now you get to piggyback on that success and their customers and their story right. um and you can grow quickly you know like i'm i'm in a building where he is in the building. He's putting out his food and he's putting out James Beard food in the food hall. And it's dope because it really inspires me. And I think the rest of the people around us are like, let's push our stuff up to the next yeah, level. Yeah. Like this is what it takes. And, um, all of us come from different backgrounds. So the stories and what we get to share is really exciting because some of us come from corporate, some of us come from food hall, but maybe we know the circuit, right? Maybe the food hall guy knows the brewery circuit and who's busy on these nights uh, and how to position himself. The corporate guy maybe knows the food costing, the mom and pop person, you know, maybe understands these influencers that, you know, they've been working with for years. Mm -hmm. So all of that, like, uh, infrastructure we just like bring to the table so the relationships are really dope I've had guys that have come that didn't have a catering business and because of our relationship in the food hall Sobo's been doing catering before we had the restaurant so we were able to show them like these are your items this I would set it up launch your catering yeah, business and then now they get to double it and then for me as somebody who's you know taking an opportunity uh, to learn I'm, I get the chance to see like the risk they take maybe with pricing or you know with uh, how big the menu is or how small it is and get to kind of see oh this is successful and works for them uh so the relationship is pretty dope in those spaces and um to see some of them transition out and like get their own spot yeah. is just like this is really cool opportunity um in the I mean, bar, you the bar too. Like, me too you're like, living that right now. i'm living that so like I, I i'm proving that like i wanted the full service restaurant five years ago, but I wasn't in the space to have the money or felt confident enough that we could do it with, you know, longevity and consistency. So now I've been able to grow and get a chance to step out and, you know, food halls also get to bring new places in and, um, there's a decent amount of them in the cities and I love that energy that there's some other space to go besides a food truck. I am not the biggest food truck fan as like a launch your small restaurant business sure because so much money goes into it and it's such a limited season in minnesota specifically yep. that it's hard to put that you know guys are buying fifty thousand dollars sixty thousand dollar food trucks and they get six to eight months out of it you know and you can't do anything downtown the laws are really specific on where you can have your trucks it's not like the south or in cali where you can just pull up so i think food halls have provided a much more sound option for people who want to launch their thing and i love to see like some of those guys grow like we have um next door to me is kwong um uh, and his you know family's come up doing by me and like mm -hmm. their following is just huge and i think they're like people magazine's best sandwich something crazy and he's been able to come in and like test out three or four concepts that he yeah. wants to test out and the food hall is a little chill in that like if you want to flip the concept like yeah. as long as you can pay your rent like you know in, in our setup it's not like so difficult as turning a whole restaurant sure. into a new thing it's right, like right. 
I've done Good Burger pop-ups. I've done Sobo Caribbean. I brought Bad Wings in. Like, you can do different stuff and test it out and feel like, let's beta test this like an app, you know, almost in this right. safe space of a food hall. And then, you know, you got the data points, and I, I love it. I think it's something that's really cool. I've seen so many talented chefs lose money and lose their passion yeah going into some restaurant with investors that don't care about them or want to turn the coin. And if it doesn't hit, like the only option is for it to be a grand slam out the gate. You can't grow and it doesn't work. Then, you know, guy's in debt and he ends up working some restaurant job that he probably doesn't want to be. And he still makes great food. It just, he didn't have that time to grow from idea to miss the shot. Yeah. yeah you don't yeah. have to grow from this idea and test it and, make some money and learn a name for yourself that you can put into the next thing. You need a right. middle step before you go to a full service restaurant in Minneapolis. That's a hard jump to go from, Hey, I want to open a restaurant to Here making this profitable and doing this on a consistent basis. So food halls are dope. I love them. Uh, I've been blessed to do my research just because of grades and having some uh, impact there to go to Denver where they really started and, yeah. you know, get a chance to do the tour and see what they were supposed to be. And for cold weather States, I think it's a, it's, it's a home run. There's some really dope ones like in Texas that have like concert venues attached to mm -hmm. them and um, you know, some other outdoor spaces where it's just like, there's a lot of other ways too. You can also bring in the entertainment into a fun space like that, that really creates more like a festival vibe Absolutely. than just like you're coming to eat. So Absolutely. It's funny because uh, all of that is so brilliant coming from your end, like working in the restaurant and looking out. And that was like, I just kept thinking about the the bar to get into the game is so high between the cost of a liquor license, the cost oh. of furniture, all that shit. And then, you know, especially looking at, at restaurant concepts that are, um, are owned and run by BIPOC folk, we know that the investment game has been stacked against you the entire time. Mm -hmm. And we like, we found an end around where <clears throat> it's even less risk, you know, like that's that amazing. But for me as a consumer, I also like that because as somebody who has a very adventurous palate and wants to go out and try everything new that people are throwing out there, it makes it a lot less scary for people that are a little bit more conservative with their tastes yep. because you're not committing to just that single menu. Exactly. You know, you can convince them that there's something that they'll want. And then I feel like my job as like the tour guide is try and talk them into some awesome things, but let them do whatever they want and then get a couple other items that you can share. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then you can approach that where, you know, you got three items from three different restaurants for 10, 12, 15 bucks. And then you can kind of chop it up and, and, and split it. And then all of a sudden, Oh, that's really good. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that was. What, wait, where was that? And then you, you know, point them. And then all of a sudden now like, well, you know, I'm a little hungry. I might, I might go get one more thing. Yep. And then all of a sudden you took away that fear. That's it. And I, that's I all it takes. Who, like literally will use my dipping sauce for some other food from mm -hmm. a different yeah. place. And I'm like, that's dope. Like, I love the mix and match of where it's collaborative in that space. Cheat codes. Yeah, it's yeah. like those are the unspoken things. And even our staff are funny because, you know, you, you know, you eat all the food at the new restaurant you're at. You need to learn the stuff on the first end. And then you're eating there cheap. You're getting a discount, whatever. But then at a certain point, you're burnt out. And then there's six other restaurants that you can right go there. and, like, <laughs> have. And, like, in our space, we give them a discount. So it's just, like, they love it. And I've seen so many cool stories I'm pro getting the delicious food to the consumer, right? Mm -hmm. 
the middle stuff is 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 where I try to have my pushback on. And I think there's a lot of stories in the food hog game in Minneapolis that if it wasn't for that setup, we would miss those flavors. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't get to see for sure those things prepared that way. And uh, I think it's kind of really opened up a lane, you know, to be able to see like you got a James beer with a f- in a food hall. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's dope. Like you, you don't have to be this huge restaurant that's going for a ton of years with all this different backing and stuff. Like you can be at that space and then continue to grow into uh, right. the next thing. Mm-hmm. And even for me, like getting sports partnerships and being in all the, you know, ma- the major sports in Minneapolis, like right. that started from the food hall and yep. they liked our, you know, they liked our product right. and say, Hey, this will translate. And I just think there's so many, uh, BIPOC people and just dope chefs too, that don't mm-hmm. come from tons of mm-hmm. money that, mm-hmm wouldn't have that opportunity to really like make a splash in uh this space so it's been dope for me i really love it and i'm pro that like if i get new chefs that are coming in i'm like this is your set and i and the the other the last thing i'll say is that i see guys who come into the space and in the beginning you just need to pay yourself Mm -hmm. like until you if you're starting out and you're a little squeamish it's like okay me and my significant other or me and the two people in my family are gonna work this and we just pay ourselves mm-hmm. and we don't have this commitment, to all this overhead and all this other stuff. We pay our bills, we pay the people. And then as you grow and it's bigger and you want more time back with your family and making the money, you add on the infrastructure. I started out with just me and Brittany, my brother-in-law and one other person, I think it was my niece. It was like the four of us started working and now I'm not there running any shifts at all. And we're yeah. 15, 20 people and like, but it gave us an opportunity to grow into that versus yeah, sure. saying like, you got $20,000 rent today, you yeah, know, first, MERS, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it, I think it keeps it authentic. Yeah, absolutely you know? it does. Because when absolutely. the money gets into it, then the you got to pivot and pimp yourself out to do some stuff to pay the bills. And, it, you know, I think the food hall game has kind of kept some of the food when you go into these spaces. It still feels kind of dope and authentic that the soul food is still soul food and, sure. you know, like to me, that part of preserving that instead of like, we got to do the gimmicky things to make, we're going to do tacos and we're Lebanese food. And you're like, okay, that's not really your jam right now, but like you can stay authentic to do what you're supposed to do. And there can be a space for that. And it can feel more like Chicago or New York city because you can have something and it's like, Oh, we can support this type of food in, we can support this Hmong place in this city. And it's it's fine. Absolutely. I never, I never thought that I would, I would have people texting me almost every week thanking me for introducing them to Jamaican patties. That's it. Like the beef patties. I, that, I don't know why that just became my thing. Cause I honestly, cause it's a pretty affordable add on. It is. So whatever, whatever you got, I was like, I'm gonna get you a spicy beef, little pop tart and you're going to love it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I just, I get pictures and no caption, no anything. It'd just be a picture of a half eaten one. Just like, thanks. I was like, that is yes. it. thank you. It's delicious. Why are people the afraid beef, of that? I will oh my take God. the beef patty on versus whatever your favorite snack is. Yes, hundred percent. I'm here. I'm here to fight, Charles. Um, I feel like I know what your answer is, but where where are you on food halls? Because we just oh, like to eat everything. No, I mean framing this in like how good it is communally and societally. I obviously do a lot of traveling, and there was a time when in the Twin Cities here in Minnesota, we were trying to get it right and just for some reason the community wasn't really catching on or one of them would pop up and kind of fade out. There wouldn't be much activity. And I go to places like timeout market in Chicago Mm -hmm. or even hot, even warmer climates like 
uh, Chinatown Live in San Francisco or like the Santiago Seafood Market that also has food purveyors. For all those tacos in New York. Chile. Oh my God. Yeah, New York too. That's more recent. But it's been great to see those concepts catch on here. And it's not just been curating quality food concepts Mm -hmm. and purveyors that are good at what they do but also the notion of treating them as communal spaces, like having Mm -hmm. libations or having a stage or having like uh, pop-up events, like the thing Yia did a couple of months ago, he did an outdoor barbecue thing. It was like seven things on the plate and it was for charity. That was super dope. But seeing people now sort of be able in, in unison with the purveyors of these, these massive buildings create what is as open air as you can be without having to have mittens on in the winter. That's why it's always seemed like it should be a winning recipe for a climate like ours. Mm -hmm. And now you're seeing it where people can say to their family or to their group of friends, let's all meet at Gray's and we'll just eat to our heart's content. We'll get some drinks. We'll hang out. We'll have this space that we can hang out in when it's, you know, we've just had some weather that has been really gnarly because we encourage people to, lean into the Kuchili in the, in the Higa and like go outside. But there are times when you can't do that. And it's nice to have the option to still do something socially where you're not just sitting at a table. Yeah. And those opportunities are provided by spaces like that. And it's just wonderful to see that society at large and in our metropolitan area is like hotter on those types of concepts. Mm-hmm. All yeah. I'd like to see beyond that is the spaces that are large enough that have the available real estate to do so just adding like features to build it out even if it means like a little bit of greenery yeah or like a stage do like a stand-up night or something have a guy playing acoustic guitar just things like that that make people contextualize a space as more than the sum of its parts because sometimes we have spaces like that these are the ones that i think burn out is when it's just like you can come get lunch here, but that's it. Yeah. But yeah. like, you know, Grace has like cocktails and stuff and it's yeah. like lively. There's a lot of activity. It's also in a busy area. Yeah. So that helps too. But some of them are a little more remote. I want to see them do a better job of contextualizing it as like a social experience and not just a meal. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I will say um, one of the things too, I think that I've seen different from here is the amount of vendors you put in the space. Uh, we're at six and then we do the coffee shop and we have the bar. Um, and I feel like that's a good number. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sure. there's some that I've seen that go above that and we do a good balance where everybody's kind of in our medium to top in. Like we don't have any dogs in our building yeah, that aren't for sure. you know, making money. And so it's hard. Some of the places I'm like, if you do eight, 10 vendors, it's like, you're telling two of the or three of these guys that they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it because it's just so hard to have so much that many home runs in the yeah. place. And if it is really good, like people are going back to their same thing. So I just think being mindful of it. I love uh, retail mixed into. So if you get an opportunity, like sure. a little bit of retail and gray secret sauce has been that yard, man. Like that is it. They had an opportunity. They could have made a bigger building, the footprint, but just looking at that, urban jungle of North loop. It's like, there's no green space. So getting people outside and having that, uh, season in the fireplace has just been amazing. I I will say that like my favorite food halls offer, like where you can get, you know, you can get cured meats and you can get some cheeses and Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's, that's coming. I'm sure. So yeah, let's, uh, let's cheers to that. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. 
Is this final Uqua? Yeah. Number four, as we talked about earlier, uh, Soulbowl has a, a, a link with every item to music. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a little bit of cheating for you, but I thought this was a fun question for us too. If you could come up with a new item mm. and attach it to music, what would it be? Something that you've been thinking about cooking, something that you want to, like you love cooking, like what what would it be? And then what's what's the song and what's the artist? Got it. Um, I think right now is something John Baptiste. I'm in a Ooh. very heavy John Baptiste mode. It's coming to town in a uh, month. I know. My mom just texted me, so hopefully she buys, she buys tickets. Um, <laughs> so it's probably something John Baptiste. I love New Orleans, and it, that just gives you such a great place to like play in as far as food and flavors are concerned. Um, and so looking at uh, you know reintroducing uh, some food items from there would be big. Uh, we've been doing like a gumbo and grits, uh, which I think could be a cool thing to kind of make a play on because gumbo usually is its own thing. Mm-hmm. If you put anything with it, if you do risotto or grits or change out the starch option, I know it can be sacrilege, but I think yeah. there's some cool ways to experience to where, you know, that sauce is pulling in, whether it's noodles or yeah. something different uh, where you can still have a lot of those flavors and it can mm-hmm. be delicious. So um, I think I might be playing in that space with like, um, some New Orleans cuisine with something uh, with John Baptiste is kind of like the inspiration. And for me, I like to go all in. Like, we, you know, we, we um, one of the big ones we had was Big Crit, and uh, we mm-hmm. got an opportunity to make a sandwich and a match to him. I love Big Crit. His music is jazz and hip-hop and Southern Soul, like, all mixed together. And um, he didn't eat pork. And so, like, we also put that into the dishes, like, this is his dietary restrictions and how he eats. And, um, and that sandwich is so fucking good. The magic of social media, like, <laughs> he actually showed up and ate the sandwich. So, like... Um, that's so rad. Yeah, that's rad. It, it, oh, that's awesome. Know, one of the wildest things. So, like, for me, I, I do think it would be something... Uh, Something with him in that space. That's what I'm like vibing out to right now. I love that. That's rad. What you think, Charles? What's your jam? So I don't usually talk about like dessert when mm-hmm. when I talk about cooking, but lately we've been talking about ice cream a lot. Like okay. making ice cream. No way that I. But my ice cream's gonna be way different, and the musicians. It is. Be it is. It okay? is. It is. It is. And like, yeah, we had time to think <laughs> about this, so I did kind of like sit and think about it, thinking of uh, like one of our favorite like. Sexy dinner, sexy mood albums is D'Angelo, Brown Sugar. Mm. Yes. Right? So I was thinking, also, it's called Brown Sugar. So I was thinking, what is like a sexy dessert that like, it's kind of like a double entendre dessert. Are you ready for dessert? But you actually do serve dessert. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking like dairy-based, brown sugar, hot honey. Because I've been thinking about making a hot honey ice cream. Mm -hmm. Madagascar vanilla bean, some bourbon. Oh, that's an easy win. Yeah, baby. And then drizzle more hot honey on it and shave on some Alba white truffle. And just play some D'Angelo. So the and next episode is you where you guys go. like make all the shit in the test kitchen. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. We're down with that. We absolutely would do that. Yeah. <laughs> I want that really bad. That sounds so good. So do I. Now that I'm like, I was thinking about that. Well, I was at the, actually, I was smoking a cigar at the club earlier and I was like, Hold on, how can I take this one step further? And I was like, I'm gonna put some elbow white truffle on this motherfucker. Mm-mm-mm. We named our candy yams after D'Angelo, so I'm I'm right in line with you. Yes, you gotta have it. Mm-hmm. yes. I uh, complete side note, but uh, 
not that I want to advertise anybody else's podcast, but the the greatest thing that I have listened to in the last two years. We have no problem doing that here. Is uh, Open Mike Eagles. What happened was uh, he's been mm. talking to, to Questlove about the first four Roots albums. Okay. And Questlove mm. is like me. His brain takes him in all these different, yep. different directions. I love it. And while they were talking about um, the breakthrough record, Things Fall Apart, he ended up going off on a side story. They had to turn that episode into three episodes because he talks so long, but about them putting that record together. Yeah. And it's so funny to have listened to 10 hours talking about the roots. And the first thing I did when that was done is put D'Angelo on. That's it. Because <laughs> it just got me thinking about it. And yeah. I, I couldn't stop. Like, oh my God, that fucking record is so timeless. That is it. It's insane. Uh, so mine is is also ice cream, as I said. You guys got oh, a I'm, shared Google Doc or something. I'm telling oh, you, man. This is fun for us. <laughs> well, this is, yeah. and and Also, like, we don't always know, yeah. you know what I mean? We do have access to the questions beforehand. Yeah. But it's, I'm, I well, love sniping Quan. That's the thing. And, like, you never <laughs> answer dessert, so I thought I was super safe on this one. Because you don't, you don't, you don't like sweet stuff. No, but I dig the double, I like, yeah. I like the double yeah. scoop. I like the double yeah, scoop. Because it. yours is going to be wildly different than mine. It is. And, and really what it is is... Um, I have this incredible, wonderful niece who has been saddled with the most ridiculous stack of life-threatening allergies to food. Mm -hmm. And she is such a trooper. She's about to be a teenager. And normally, like, everything is about uh, how hard life is. And she's she's a fucking trooper about it. Yep. She knows what, what what's okay with her. She knows how to look for everything. She knows the things that are safe. But I feel like... I'm doing her a disservice if I'm not trying harder to try and figure out things that we can do. And uh, I also have a very, very close friend who uh, first went pescatarian, then vegetarian, and now has gone full vegan. And um, she is also an adventurous eater, but just in the Twin Cities here in the Midwest, there's not a ton of options mm -hmm. for vegan eaters. And the things that you can find are usually savory. Nobody gives a fuck about dessert. Everybody's just like, well, just don't eat it. Yep. And uh, after our conversation, a couple episodes with uh, ice cream fanatic Eric Eastman, uh, I went back looking through uh, a couple books that I have and then just started scouring the internet. And what, what I have in my head is a full fat coconut cream ice cream with sea salts and olive oil. And that is what I want to present to both my niece and my friend as like a, here you go, as a, I'm thinking about you actively and mm -hmm. I'm trying to make this work because as we, going back to your question, Charles, about how do you, how do you say I love you? Mm -hmm. That's one of like, one of the reasons again, that I, I figured this out through therapy is like when I cook for people, that's me saying I love you. Yep. And if I don't cook, if I'm cooking for everybody else and not for you, that sits in the back of my head. Like I did that. I didn't do that right. So, you know, like I, I got to be able to, I got to cook for everybody or I'm not doing it right. So in thinking about that, I cook a lot of ice cream or I make a lot of ice cream. You got, there's some cooking. Involved I cook it. There's, cream. there's, I, I put yolks in a lot yeah. of my stuff. So yeah, yeah, I cook it. Um, and <laughs> there's, there's a song from the nineties and I say the first line of the verse, every single batch of ice cream that I make, because where I grew up, when you were listening to hip hop, you were either Master P ice cream man okay. or you were Drew Down. And I was Drew Down. And so the first line of the first verse, they do like a ice cream man scat or skit or sketch to start it. And then when the song hits, 
the first line is, I'm the ice cream man, bitch. Don't you hear the music? <laughs> and it, I say it every single time I make ice cream. That song's been in my head for 29 years now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but every time I say it to myself, and I just want to call it the ice cream man, but in my head, I'm finishing that line. I'm probably not going to say that to my niece. <laughs> I love that. I, I'm on the masterpiece side. That definitely, that definitely is my childhood. Okay, so I got to give you two recommendations because yeah. of the flavors you said. Uh, Dream Creamery. That's in uh, that's in Northeast. Right off of Lowry. Uh, Four blocks from my house. I had their burger two nights ago, and it dope. blew my. So we sell their ice cream mind. and grays as well. Yes. Yep. Yep. But they do a uh, they do two plant based ice creams. One is pina colada. That's a coconut base, and the other one is. Uh, Almond Joy, Ooh. so coconut base mm. too, and then mm. they do the cocoa. I think they do cocoa instead, of like the mm. milk chocolate, and they are absolutely delicious. One of the blessings of this job is that if we get a new vendors, I just get to go and taste stuff. And that yeah. ice cream tasting day, I tasted everything, and they're legit. Like so, those two. If you get if you get a little love balance, it. those two also uh, they produce some really good. Well, and I love the idea of the pina colada because I hated that drink until I actually had one in Puerto Rico at the it. hotel it like, was invented. Same thing. There's so much more pineapple in the original drink same where thing. up here it's just all coconut. Yep. I don't love coconut by itself a ton. I don't hate it, but it's yep. just not the, my favorite. But with uh, like a really strong Madagascar vanilla bean paste, it those two together I love because coconut becomes like a second depth layer of sweetness yep. instead of overpowering everything. So in my head, that's where it's going. So we're going to try a batch. And if it doesn't work out, I'm just not going to tell anybody I made I'm, it. I'm going to keep, I'm just going to throw on some drew down and have a little dance party in my kitchen to myself. I'm going to keep pushing on a coconut. man. Yeah. My, my dad is Guyanese, which is between Brazil and Sir Guyana. And so, um, like, Coconut was just, my dad would put coconuts on the stove and crack them with a hammer as no a kid shit. and like use the milk that would come out and the husk, the shells, the whole thing. Uh, and they do a lot of curry. So you see it like in the savory and the sweet. Yeah. Um, so I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just a big coconut advocate. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, one of my favorite drinks is 50-50 scotch and Coconut water. Yeah. Because that's huge Ooh, in Puerto Rico. Whiskey too. cocos, baby. Yeah, cocoa, yeah. motherfucking awesome. You know, uh, you know one of my favorite words, I've probably said this on the pod before, but when you're removing the the um the Madagascar or just the vanilla caviar out of mm -hmm. the seed, decorticating. 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 Scrape out the seeds from something. I love yeah. that. Decorticating. That's way better than scraping seeds. Scraping yeah. seeds. Decorticating. That is going to be the word of the day in my house one of these days next week. I had a friend. Scraping uh, seeds is your mom doing your laundry as a teenager. <laughs> Why is this sock so stiff? Uh, I didn't use any starch. Okay. <laughs> Don't ask questions. It's better that way. Snap like a cracker. Yeah. I, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to tell a story, but I'm not going to tell that story. Bum, 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 We're going to let that bum, one go. <laughs> uh, well, shit. Cheers, cheers to scraping seeds and decorticating. Decorticating. Oh man, that's a rap lyric for that's a rap word for somebody. Decorticating. Someone's someone used it. Fuck yeah. MF Doom probably used. MF it. Doom for sure. You got All a concept right. album about it, unreleased. Boy, this is the way I pen this is very long. All right, so I, I call this particular topic Doomsday Party Planner. I do love this, and I thought of this when I was. Sitting kind of buzzed up in my living room reading a book. So if the whole world shut down for reasons unknown, 
and you no longer had access to the internet or streaming, how long could you stay entertained by the following things in your current home? And this is basically everything except perishables. So books and magazines, Blu-ray or other physical media, video games, board games, your reserves of alcohol, THC, or other stuff, and any other recreational entertainment. Like, you can grow food. You could even, like, make beer or something. But I'm talking about, like, really great wine, your liquor stash, the books you have on your bookshelf, the magazines that you have, DVDs or Blu-rays, video games. Like, do you feel, how long would you be entertained by the things that are in your house if you were, like, stuck there? Mm, That's good. Um... My pride and joy, and this is probably going to throw you for a loop, uh, one of the amazing things I got to do after buying a house, which is like a childhood thing for me, you know, you get to, when you get kids, you got to do the things that you didn't get to experience. Um, I got to put a basketball hoop on the driveway. Ooh, I love that. That would keep me entertained for, you know, we got the seasons, but that would keep me entertained for a little bit. Get the pool. Um, the pool is there, so that would keep me entertained. We got a chance to go to Napa when I turned 30, something like that. So we bought a bunch of wine, and we drank, like, a lot of it early. And then the rest of it, we're, like, yes. waiting to, you know, we got some taste of it. So there's a bunch of those bottles that I would be, like, excited because I was ready to leave all my clothes in Napa and just bring the wine back in my suitcase. <laughs> yeah. So we brought back a lot of bottles uh, and are sitting on some some good juice to be able to dive into um but i think i might like it you know for during the pandemic it was interesting not that we were off of internet or social media but like just the break and like having to have present conversations with people and Mm -hmm. build uh my dad was a huge reader and i'm just becoming one i'm in a balance between like audiobooks and actually like diving in and i like like business and leadership stuff and then i also read like chefs and their bio you know the books about their bios and like anthony bourdain stuff um and so i'm just getting into it oddly enough i never read cookbooks it's like you know they get some chefs and they're like i got all these cookbooks yeah i never like i like the history behind the stuff but like Mm -hmm. in the hip-hop way i still want to create i don't want to like look at the lyrics i don't want to look at the stuff and like okay we're going to make this i still want to like be in that mode and say okay this is exciting and create so Mm -hmm. between basketball having some wine and if i got a chance to cook i probably could uh entertain do i get some old school video games oh yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah if i get a little 2k in there yeah. I, I might could go a while it, it's interesting as a it's interesting as a boss you got employees and stuff when you get unplugged for a couple of minutes and there's nobody calling you to ask questions it's it's a little freeing like you can <laughs> enjoy right. Uh, you can enjoy that space and the dope things in my house. I don't probably spend enough time there as I probably should. You're right. So when I do get those opportunities, it's funny because uh, you know it's cold and people are getting sick, and so I had some friends that were sick, and I'm like, I don't want to be sick, but I would not mind a week in the house. <laughs> yeah. I don't want the symptoms, but right. I, I wouldn't lie that like sitting in the house for a week <laughs> would have probably do you, me good. Have someone make you breakfast. Yes, yeah. you know, fireplace. You know. Like yeah, I probably, dude, you got the fireplace basketball hoop. I probably would enjoy. 2K. That's, dude, that's the pool. sweet. There's right a there. kid. There's a kid inside <laughs> me, like building, building the house. So yes, like, right. I I might be able to rock for uh, a little bit, and then just music. Like yep. music for me 
is so therapeutic and you know just the Asian genres that I grew up with I'm super eclectic in my music choice and so if I get a chance to put some jams on and like cook or you know I, I put music on when we play ball that's like a thing that we did growing up play your hip-hop music and things that are like passion put the energy out of you I probably could rock uh for a little bit I'm a little introvert My wife may not be able to last as much But I'm okay if I don't see people for a couple of days Interesting as a chef and putting yourself out there um, And I enjoy the creativity art. It's more of a learned thing for me So I'm better at it now sure. But in my natural habitat Like if it's quiet for a little while I'm, I, I also I have an older brother Half sister uh, I didn't grow up with either in the house uh, And so I lived more of an only child sure. Uh, upbringing mm, so sure. i'm like used to creating and i used to write write my little raps or make some food or you know like yeah. play ball that's why i like basketball because something you could do and you don't need a ton of people to do yep. so like i i might enjoy the space i might come up with something dope during some like little pause and break in time mm-hmm. uh and the kitchens are demanding like you you're in there you gotta be present you're doing a lot of stuff and so to get a little break like that might might actually be fun I'm one of those people probably got more books in my house that I haven't read than I have. Sure. So I love the authors. They sound very interesting, but to sit down and have the time to dig through them. So I might actually like do that. And as all husbands, there's a honeydew list with my name on it, probably a mile long, even if we weren't doing fun things yep. that I need to fix. Yeah. So just a never ending list of things. You there's a, do. there's a beeping, uh, uh, carbon dioxide sensor right now. That <laughs> My name on it, that carbon monoxide sensor that I need to get on a ladder and change right now and put a battery in. And oh, my it's, God. Yeah. It's for the battery. Yep. Okay, for the record. It's, it's been for beeping for weeks. So. Dude, the best best prank, just so you know, best prank I've ever seen. A uh, friend of mine moved into a house and years later just kept hearing this beeping, beeping, beeping. Uh, the guy had drywalled in a uh, smoke detector mm. in there. Like that's perfect. Such a gorgeous long prank. That is yeah. genius. Yeah, my boy posted the whole thing. He finally figured it out and cut a hole in the drywall. And he's like, "Hats off, man. That's that's brilliant." So I just learned like some invaluable knowledge that those things last for ten years. Mm-hmm. And so we bought our house, <laughs> and it hit ten years. And so probably for three weeks, the different ones just started going off. And yeah. We actually had to call the fire department and clear everybody out of the house because we just didn't know. Oh, oh man, yeah. is the thing going off or is it not? And then, <laughs> yeah. then I looked at the dates and I'm like, "This is ten years on it's all of them." Okay, so oh, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> not fun. I would, <clears throat> I would go crazy because of my need to be around people before I would run out of things to do. But just yeah, like let's let's zero in on what you have as activities to do. So, and if you feel like those things are enough, because think of it in think of it in these terms: at what point would you grab a kitchen knife and then go fight zombies to like just find a fucking new board just game to feel something? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, so I'm um I'm not a huge I don't reread a whole lot of books after I've read them. Mm-hmm. And I don't rewatch a lot of movies after they've like, I have friends that have watched the same movie a hundred times. Yeah. I don't really do that. But if I give myself enough time, I will erase the file and I will go back and play a video game start to finish again, because usually it. it's been long enough that I don't remember how you did it, how, it, how I did it. So I know for a fact that just red dead one and two, that's a couple weeks for me. Cause I'd, do everything yep. mm-hmm. halo one through five i'd absolutely do that 
uh, Madden was my game. I like 2K, but Madden was yep. kind of my jam. So definitely like go through and build a dynasty. Uh, but the thing that I've always fantasized about, and I don't think I've ever talked about on this show, is uh, my record collection is legit. Mm. And I've always wanted to pull the high fidelity and rearrange it from alphabetical to chronological and then go through my life in music. Dope. That is a that is a dream project that I have buried inside of me that I will do at some point. Mm. But I mean that's weeks if not months of music. Sure. Uh depending on how busy I am. So it would it would be something like this would have to happen for me to really get it going. Mm-hmm. But I've um when I sit in front of all my records I'm pretty sure that I could get it like 90 to 95% there in exact chronological order of my life. And I think that that's a fun thing to do, but it's kind of useless because nobody else can get their head into it. Mm -hmm. But the idea of doing it just so that I can listen to it front to back for my life would be pretty rad. So I have to tell you this thing because it's interesting you said that. Uh, One of my really close friends, uh, Cicely, she... When she turned 30 a couple years ago, she sent us all a playlist of her life from zero to 30 of all the music that highlighted like the special moments. Shout out to Cicely. That is brilliant. Probably three hours worth of music. And like we listened to it. It was really dope. You got to be a music junkie and enjoy it from that level. But it was just like, man, so much about your personality we were able to see and learn through that yeah. space. And it was like, that's a really interesting gift to give somebody like a play playlist of oh, your sure. favorite music. And well, and that's, you know, uh, I, I did grow up as an only child. Mm-hmm. My, my brothers were adopted when I was 14. So all of my childhood, I was, I was alone mm-hmm. and I marked time throughout my entire childhood with music. And then when more people ended up in the house, I just never stopped doing that. So I still I still do that to this day. I was actually in a really amazing, amazing um, text conversation with an old friend of mine uh, about that very fact. And we were talking about like when we heard a certain song together, she had just started listening to it again. And she was like, what do you remember about this? And then we were just trading like very vivid memories mm-hmm. of who we were, where we were, how we were dressed, sure. who we were hanging out with. And all it took, if you had told me like, or if you had asked me, what were you doing in January of 2004? It would take me a little while to figure that out. But literally the minute she sent out that song, I was like, oh, I was, I listened to it for 10 seconds and I was there. Yep. And then it was ding, 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 ding. And I would love to be able to to actually do that with my whole library. Sicily, way smarter, did it uh, uh, digestible and shareable. Yeah. That's that's a much nicer, less insane way to do it. Yeah, I I made an X on her 25th birthday, a double disc CD with art that I designed, because I'm a fucking designer, of the number one songs on every one of her birthdays. Nice. So just kind of like... Because, you know, you have your birthday and there's, like, the most popular song at the time. Obviously, she didn't know the songs from when she was fucking two years old. But just, like, this is history from when you were born. Through music. Yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. It's I've actually done that for myself before. And there's a yeah. couple there's a couple time bombs, like... I knew um, we could do this as a playlist now, too. Just kind of, yep. like, what was the number one song when I was born? Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I did it for every... I think I did it for my... 35th birthday i did the number one song from every year from every year yeah. and the 80s it was like oh i remember those songs you know no big deal 
but it gets awesome as soon as hip hop became mainstream mm -hmm. because my birthday's in August. So it was always a fucking jam. It yep. was always a summer jam. jam. And it just starts hitting, except the summer that Titanic came out, mm -hmm. Celine Dion fucking ruined that. And then uh, when yeah. Princess Die died, yep. Elton John, uh, yeah. Candle in the Wind is in there. So there's two really bad time bombs in the middle of that, but everything Double else skips. is just like, Couple skips, yeah. That, that I, mean, sounds... I got a couple years in my life I wouldn't mind skipping too. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yours sounds way better than mine because I just was making slow jam mixes. So uh, <laughs> no, it's no, it was just a mix up, you know, because we all were making all kinds of playlists and mix ups yep. and yep. introductions to new genres and stuff like that. That was at the time just trying something different. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, mine was Joe to see. Sorry. I mean, there's nothing wrong yeah. with it. Don't ever don't say sorry for Joe to see. Don't, yeah, don't apologize mm, for that. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, what would, what would, what would, how would you do? I, when I asked myself that question, I was like, fuck, I think I could last forever because I have a lot of books. <laughs> I have a lot of booze, a lot of magazines, <laughs> a lot of liquor. Yeah. For I got sure. a lot of, t I, I could legally say I got a lot of THC. <laughs> I have very little of that, but. It's my, I mean, just the, my beer cellar alone. Yeah. I, I don't even really drink. That's why it's so big, honestly, is because I just kind of stopped drinking it and it was mm -hmm. just a lot. So that part of the equation, I got enough shit to drink for a very long time. The books I have, video games, I'm an aspirational video gamer. I love video games. And if something grabs me, I will play it all the way through, stay up way too late. But I buy games thinking I'm going to love them, and then they don't grab me, and then I'm like, I'll get back to it. Mm. And that pile just gets bigger and bigger. So I yeah. have an infinite number of video games. Physical media for movies, I used to have more. I don't have that many, but I have some. <sighs> and some of them are ones that I would, like, happily rewatch, including, you know, when you mentioned, Quam, that you're not a big movie rewatcher. I don't do that for a lot of stuff. But, like, we watch Grumpy Old Men every winter. Mm. We watch both grump, Grumpy and Grumpier Old Men. We watch those every winter. Is it called Grumpier Old Men? Or is yes. It called, no, it's Grumpier. I'm, like, second-guessing myself. No, you were right. No, you were okay. right. Okay. So those two we watch. I don't know why. We watch them every winter. So we have stuff like that that we can rely upon for physical media. But I wouldn't be really well-equipped in that area. But we got board games and shit. Mm -hmm. I'd have to fix the basketball hoop that a kid broke in my driveway during the pandemic, which was fucked up. Uh, and then we got the yard for like fires and running mm -hmm. around with the dog and shit like that. I think, I think we'd be good for a long time. I Just should reading. I got a lot of ink. I got pens mm -hmm. with ink in them too. Yeah. And a lot of paper. I would end up writing a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, that that so probably would do. Uh, it'd be a yeah. book or two to come out. I should also clarify, like I, my, my wife and I have one big ass tub of movies that we couldn't possibly part with, like when we got rid of all of our I DVDs. I okay. No, but like for me, it's it's like all of my my concert DVDs, and then like ten or fifteen of my favorite movies. Okay, I would watch I would watch those again for sure. I would watch some of those concerts like over and over and over again. Is sure. it? Will there be any? The one thing that was interesting, you neither one of you said any binge series. I don't. I don't have any. Uh, I would need cable. I don't have any TV series on DVD. I'm maybe my wife had South Park. I do like. I, I have a bunch of shit in storage because there was a time when I bought all the stuff I liked yeah. on DVD because you didn't know if Sopranos was ever. Yeah, stuff wasn't again. like streaming. Like, you know, we didn't yeah. have streaming back then, so you didn't know if you could watch it again. Yeah, we got not in my house right now, so those don't qualify. If they were in my home, then they would qualify. Yeah, when we when we moved out of our apartment, we got rid of. All of 
Yeah. yeah. We sold them. Did a little cleanup. Yep. Yeah, I would be stuck with a horrible compilation of kids' movies if it's what I actually own today. <laughs> yeah, I would be totally stuck with like a bunch of kid movies and I would, So you'd be out real quick. Yeah, that part of it would not be go. <laughs> I'd be watching like home and uh I can't even think of what else my son has on Blu-ray right now. <laughs> my wife used to have a really good collection. She was a CDs and like DVD uh, person and like I moved so much that I just would end up leaving stuff. I think I had some stuff for a while, but I would end up like leaving it if I moved to a different state. For sure. Even just today, Derek of Club Caraway asked me if I had, well, I forgot how this even came up, but he asked me if I had like a lot of music on physical media. Mm -hmm. We have some records, but not many because we haven't been like a record couple and I got Marnie a record player for Christmas a couple of years ago. We don't use it enough. I have thousands of CDs, but once again, they're in storage. Mm. And by storage, when I say things, when I say things are in storage, they're in the basement of my family house. Mm. And my mom reminds me of, you know, you know, you left a box down in my three thousand square foot house. I don't it's been there I for have. thirty years. I'm like, man, you ain't seen that box in twenty years. You have no idea. But I have thousands of CDs in the original cases, but they're not in my house, so they don't count. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't have a lot of music in my house. I don't think we have. I have my my uh, wife's brother passed away. He has a, a rap album that they play. I have one that I made, I think, when I was 15. And I don't think we have any CDs in the house. It would be, if it was non-digital me, like physical... I don't, yeah. I don't have Ooh, any way to play a CD. There would be a lot of singing going on. I yep. don't have a See, way. That was, we talked about that today, too. Oh, is it? wait. No, you I do. do. You got an Xbox. Xbox, the new one, doesn't have a, a drive. It's oh, all, all the one you have. Doesn't I don't know if it okay. still works, but I, I have an old MacBook that has the CD Oh, thing. you're right. Okay, I do have... I, so, I haven't plugged okay. it in in years, but I, I do, plugged it I in do in have years. an old yeah, we have But in the basement, there's an yeah. old laptop that I think I could play a CD on. I've got the last gigantic iPod, but it's in my office, and it's got... Tens of thousands of songs on it. Yeah, I still it's have in my it. office, so it doesn't count. I haven't been able to. Mine, <laughs> mine died. If if you power it up, it just gives the frowny face. Uh, but I haven't been able to part with it because that was. I know you put some miles on that thing. You know why mine's alive? Because I at the time they made these cool little docks. Yep. And it lives on the dock. Yep. The dock is powering it, so it's just powered by that dock, and it's on my desk. I in my that. office. We, we, we need the music separate. Like, I, I love I, it. I'm fine with the phone and you can play some music on there, but I'm okay with having, you, like, this thing has all my music yep. separate. Do you see what they sell for on eBay? It's crazy. crazy. People yeah. are obsessed with yep. them because of that. Yep. They're like, they don't want the peanut butter and jelly together. Yep. They're like, can well, I have a phone? If you want to go running, like, you don't want to have to get texts and yep. emails or if you're going to work out. Like, I was, I, I'm, very, I'm very tech forward, but it took me a very long time to separate or to put the two together. Sure. I fought hard mm -hmm. to not to not ever have like I specifically didn't get an iPhone until I think the 5 because I wanted to have things separate and my old droid the music app on it was fucking garbage. So yep. and then, that's and funny that like I had an Android because I knew I couldn't play music. Droid. On it if I wanted to. Yeah, I literally I had a MacBook and I had an iPod, but I had a Samsung phone because I wanted to it to be separate. I'd say sorry, Android people, but we have such a dispro disproportionately high number of listeners that are on iOS versus Android that like, 
There aren't that many of you. Yeah, what, so. are you what, are, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I, what are you doing? I have, so it's funny for Grow me. Up. It's funny for me that you say that because uh, in the restaurants that I run, like we have tech chains and there's always one yep. Android one user green light. messing up the text and I'm just like, we're <laughs> trying to communicate. Creamy ass little videos. Oh, <laughs> okay. it just kills me. I'm like, I want to buy it. And I have one friend. Uh, and she knows who she is. She has yeah. no other reason for keeping this Android but to spite me. It, <laughs> I, I've even gotten to the point where I bought her, I've given her son an old iPhone of mine. So, like, everybody around her space has one now, and she's just holding on to it. And I'm just like, why? You guys are killing me. Like, it literally mm-hmm. just burns me to the core. I don't it know. is, yeah. So, this is, <laughs> is going to sound really mean, but I have a chat group on you know messaging of like a group of friends i won't say what group but there's one dude there's one dude in this group of friends that has an android we never added him to the group chat because <laughs> we don't want to lose the blue bubble we're yeah like, that's it we're like we'll, just here, let him know. we'll let him know later yeah, we'll, we we'll tell the you green bubble Nah, Sorry, man. Android people. Yeah, I don't. I don't really it took me. It took me eight years with my wife before I got her over to the iPhone. Mm. Brittany was like that. Brittany was yeah. like a, she's like a BlackBerry girl when we first were together, and then she had some different Android phones, and I just, I just gifted it. You know, just yeah. here, here you go. <laughs> I did. I did. I fucked with BlackBerry. I love that. I it was good. My, my BlackBerry, BlackBerry was a good BlackBerry phone, and I wish I would have been able to experience it as a business owner. I think I might have liked it more. Uh, back in, you know, I was like the friends I had that were like sidekick, you know, like that was the other cool phone at the time when it was mm-hmm. like, if you didn't, weren't trying to get into the iPhone game, but I was on like Nokia. I had one flip and then I've been an early iPhone adapter mm. since, I don't know. Hey, My man, carrier didn't have grow it because I was, I was an old school T-Mobile dude, including like whatever it was called before it was T-Mobile. And they never had the iPhone. I switched to Sprint to get an iPhone because I got mm. sick of my Android just being fucking bricks, potato phones. And I switched over to Sprint. And then Sprint turned into a terrible company, but I got an iPhone 6. Mm. Not that anyone fucking cares about this conversation. It's yep. just that I had, I had Androids for a while. Well, allow me to read the final question off of my yes. iPhone 15 Pro. <laughs> We should cheers it up. Cheers, iPhone. You make us do a sounder. We haven't done any sounders. Cheers, y'all. But do a sounder. Just slap one. Sprinkled us. Sometimes you got to sprinkle a little whiskey in your mouth. We have mm. been sprinkled. If if you're on an Android, they're probably cut up. Yeah, but. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <It> lagged. <laughs> I, I all I could think of when I was like, I'm reading this off of my iPhone was, do you remember when um, the Real World Road Rules Challenge came out? The year that like that was a thing that everybody I knew UI. was watching, yeah. they would every single time they would get a message, they're like, "Let's check out the message that yeah. we just got on our Motorola sidekick." Uh-huh. Exactly. Right. <laughs> they would always say Huddle it around yeah. like like anyone talks like that. You're actually obligated. Like, hold on, let me just check this message on my Motorola sidekick too. And I just thought it was so funny that they had to announce yeah, the name of their phone every time. Pop I love that. There was like some there. kind of bing and there was like, oh, we got a message. And the whole room would stop <laughs> arguing and throwing stuff or making out to like go check this yeah. life-changing message. To go message. check a text. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So question number six. Uh, soul food is getting praised around the country and world thanks to voices and faces of color, gaining fame on TV, on social media, uh, after decades of white chefs 
adapting in heavy quotes the dishes. Um, it's critics are talking about it like it's it's a part of the international community and discussion now. And I just thought, what better way or what better time than now to shine a light on a whole food scene or a specific restaurant or a chef that you think uh, deserves praise right now? Dope. Um, it is, uh, I've had such a really cool opportunity to work with a lot of chefs and just see, um, you know, soul food, like really continue to grow. And it's interesting cause it's been mom and pop and it's been growing into, you know, spaces that have been able to do like some fine dining stuff. And, um, I just get a love for that and get giddy for a lot of the options, even if people are struggling or they don't love whatever the quality of feedback of what it is, because it's just more, it's more options than what we had. And for mm. people to be able to even have options, whether some, uh, something is like, you know, uh, how their grandma cooked it or, um, you know, how it is in somebody like taking a reimaginative look on it. We just haven't been able to play in that space where it's like this can be something different and 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 kind of yep. evolve. And so, uh, in Minneapolis, you know, I definitely um, have a big up for uh, a couple chefs, but um, Justin's done such a great job. I'm always big up in Justin because he's been such a huge trailblazer and continues to like kick some doors open. Justin Sutherland, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and and even for me, like. Uh, you know, me and Justin are kicking it every day, but he throws some alley oops, and it's it's uh dope to be able to get some of those opportunities. And I've had an opportunity to cook at like Allianz and some different things from some relationships with him. Um, uh, Chef Lachelle Cunningham um, started out very early with working with Breaking Bread, and uh, you know, tried and true on the north yeah. side, and does like a lot of uh, plant based and healthy, cool, yeah, healthy cooking now. And when I started doing my pop up series, she actually like took the time to like work my first pop up as a line cook, and you know, really um, uh, shed some some light and opportunity there. Um, and so like it it has just totally evolved um, lately working at Camden, uh, which is shameless plug for one of the restaurants executive chef. There is the person I want to shed the light on. His mm. name is chef Antonio Murray. Uh, he was formerly um, uh, the chef de cuisine at the Lex. Oh, sure. And uh, he's a Chicago born chef uh, and has been working, cutting his teeth in a lot of really dope restaurants in the Minneapolis scene. Uh, and, you know, was actually out of the biz for a little bit and think he's on recruiting or hiring side for a little bit. And, you know, this industry can burn you out. It, it happens to a lot of us. And, you know, through some conversations about what the concept was and what we were looking to do, um, took an opportunity to jump back in and be a chef after he had been out for a year or two, which is crazy. You know, when you get out of that Mm -hmm. schedule and the rut of it, it takes a while to like get your body and your mind back into shape of like being the chef. Um, And so chef Antonio has been great. We've been able to collaborate on getting uh, their initial menu going 
And he's really brought this little refined uh, space to Southern food where we're paying homage to some things. And like uh, we talked about salmon croquettes earlier. It's one mm-hmm. of my favorite dishes that he makes. He house smokes the salmon and he does this mm. herbed yes, panko. Yes, so the panko yes. is like green on top and he makes a dressing with it. It comes with a little arugula salad and some pickled vegetables and Ooh. taking some creative license to the stuff that we all know and love. Uh, you know, we were able to collaborate on a dish like fish and spaghetti and uh, something to me is very near and dear. It's true, as you say, cookouts or barbecue, like fish and spaghetti is that same type of vibe for me. Uh, and something like a church basement, yeah. you know, kind of thing where you're getting plates after church and um, able to collaborate on a, a, a dish and just the flavors he's able to pull together. And, um, you know, the guys in a soul in a, in a Southern kind of comfort food cuisine making hand crushed Pomodoro for a fish and spaghetti. And it's just like the authenticity to what he does and the technique that he brings doesn't always get associated with where soul food can go and where it can be. Um, and, for me, a lot of times with chefs, you know, we're alpha males. It, it, it can be a it can be a fight. Not always looking to collaborate and to see his skill shine through and just the ability to want to teach, you know, people because our industry has just had the floor cut cut underneath us as far as how many people are coming up and wanting to get into. So many people are doing other things versus trying to work in a restaurant than it was five years ago. So to see him still have like the ability to want to teach people push the food and keep it progressive, man, has been really dope and um, just really big up to him. You know, he doesn't always step out and jump in front of the front of the cameras or the screen, but chef Antonio Murray, that's putting out food at the Camden social in North Minneapolis is dope. And for me, I lived uh, in North Minneapolis when I was in college and, uh, Moved out of the house with my dad and moved in with my aunt the week after I graduated high school and started Le Cordon Bleu two weeks after I graduated high school. Took the summer course uh, when I should have been partying. (laughs) I took the summer course and started right away and just grew an affinity for North Minneapolis. And when I got my degree and I got out of school, I wanted to cook on the north side. Like I wanted to let's bring some of these flavors and food back to my community. I love South Minneapolis and even was born on the South side and see all the amazing food that's there. And I'm like, why can't we have this just geographically on the other side of downtown that we have a bunch of these neighborhood restaurants that fill the gap. And, uh, it took me a long, you know, it it took me 15 years from graduating culinary school to being able to invest and be a partner in the Camden and create this space with our amazing partners and the chef that we have to like have a petite Leon style restaurant on the North side. That's like, this is jamming. Like, and you wouldn't think twice about it if you're going to petite, like you wouldn't even like, yeah, of course. So South side, it has these dope spots and right. these chefs that are getting national acclaim. And so, uh, Camden has really had to swim upstream and creating that space where even people feel comfortable going out for a fast casual or fine, you know, a fine dining dinner in somewhere in that space on the North side, uh, of Minneapolis and man, the chef did not disappoint, man. He people really like you are changing that. That's like, it. I love everything about it. I, I'll admit I'm super overdue to come to Camden social and Derek and I have been talking about, gotta go. When is it going to open? When's it going to open? Like I've been following it really closely and then like it opened and then just, we've been busy, but he and I have been talking about it. We just haven't done it yet. Yeah. Um, 
you know, the cigar element stuff. We had a cigar club that, you know, we Oh, still... I got to make sure you connect with Fines, my business partner. He's yeah, so Derek Derek has uh, Derek has been to social events with him. I have not met him yet. Okay. I've had his cigars, but I I got to come. And yeah. everything looks dope. Mm-hmm. I've obviously and, and I tell social. you, like, um, I had a sushi chef I used to work with that uh, was working at, he used to work for Michael Jordan's, like, cigar little spot in Tijuana. Back in oh. the day. And so I came on. It used to be a celebratory thing when we would open a new restaurant. I was a kid. I didn't know anything about cigars. I just thought it was cool to look. But I grew to love it with the flavors and the aromas. And so uh, when I got connected with Fonz and got to see his brand, as a chef, I'm like, okay, this sounds cool. But I also really want the flavors and the stuff to be legit. And it's good. Like, the just the, you know, if you smoke cigars, you know, you're looking for a slow smoking. You want things to be rolled tight. You want the aromas. And he also does a lot of stuff where he's, like, flavoring. And he still can roll himself, which is crazy to think about. Like, you know, you get stuff as mass producer. You're working with somebody else from out of town. Yeah. Stuff. Like, the guy can actually sit down and take the leaves and roll it up tight and, like, make you a delicious uh, cigar and just the flavors and aromas to me has been mind blowing. So to see them mix that with food is like their yeah. niche. Uh, and some oh, that's great craft great. cocktails. Definitely shout out my wife Brittany for doing such amazing work with the cocktails uh, at, at Camden uh, and some of the dope bartenders that have put on cocktails uh, since they opened. But yeah, it's just something special. It's swimming upstream. It's a fight. Uh, to really make Minneapolis come to the north side to get a good meal. And it is part of the ecosystem that they need to unwrite some of the negative stereotypes that happen in the neighborhood that I'm coming over here for brunch. And that's a cool thing. And you can be the soccer mom from the Burbs or you can be, you know, somebody who lives and plays in the downtown area that you're looking for good food, as we all are, you know, looking for a good vibe experience. And they do such a great job of just like the warmth and hospitality of it. So definitely Love check, it. definitely check them out. My shameless plug is the collard green dip. I'm in. So collard come on, think yep. think spinach artichoke dip on southern steroids. Oof. And it is like oh, it's crazy go. right it's now. Got to do that. Can we go right now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> ah, let's go. Fuck. There's a text to a wife like, honey, we're running long yeah. tonight. <laughs> um, but I'll bring you something back. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Charles, where are you in that? I don't know how this scene is progressing on like a national scene in the United States or even internationally, like in Europe. But the Twin Cities has long had uh, quite the Hmong population. Mm-hmm. In high school, many of my best friends were Hmong. I would go to their families' homes for birthdays and celebrations. And it would just be a smorgasbord. And it kind of like, there was a little bit of like, ooh, my little secret. I'm like the only dude here that's not Hmong that gets to enjoy this feast because it's like my friend's sister's birthday. Um, But like, I'm Lebanese. So I had a little bit of that growing up that I had this little secret of the food that I ate as a Lebanese kid. But now in the Twin Cities, we have a burgeoning uh, Hmong food scene. It's been growing for some time. Yia Vang, real famous, former guest of the podcast, has been obviously honing his craft with like Union Monk Kitchen. He's going to open Vinay finally very soon in an old brewery in Northeast Minneapolis, like six blocks from my house. He was going to be four blocks from my house. I'm kind of mad about it. Now he's going to be six blocks from my house. Yeah, but that space is so rad. And then, yeah, uh, way better space. Yeah, bigger. Oh, yeah. No, it, 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 the math is there. The maths work out. 
And then uh, Diane Mua, another former guest of our program, is opening Diane's place in the um, the food building. Yes, which is two blocks from my office. <laughs> and Love she's Diane. doing. Yeah, Diane, she's, Diane used to consult back in the days uh, for one of the restaurants I work with, and came and like redid the whole dessert program, like before the Spoon and Stable days, and all the stuff, and like just as legit and professional. And her stuff is amazing. I'm convinced she's made of magic. She is. She's just like she's the most rad human, and she's so kind. And then she's also like absolutely one of the most fun human beings ever to like go out with. Like she's just great all the time. Like I aspire to be a little bit of what Diane is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hold on to my little space and time, just like listen to her go through and change the program that we had and actually make it something legit and make the flavors better and just to have tasted her food and go through it's just I'm so excited to see that journey and progression. And it takes a while to get to the space where you bloom, where you're like, I'm a dope chef, but I want to do this as a business, you know, and be the face of that. That's so much more than like, I make amazing things. So I'm excited for her, excited to get a chance to taste the food and see the concept. Right. I can't wait to see what she does with like Hmong flavors, but on uh, my gathering of the concept is that it's not just going to be straight Hmong food. It's going to be Hmong flavors with Mm -hmm. like, in like a, cafe bistro style setting so and i'm curious i'm like waiting for the last game of thrones book to finger through the menu like what are you gonna do yeah but yeah growing up with and and obviously everything that uh Yi has done with his fast casual spots is super dope but i want to see more of what he does in a sit-down setting and i've had multiple year pop-ups where he does the more traditional the the monk sausage and the purple sticky rice, things like that. I want to see, is he going to do like the sticky rice cakes, like pickled mustard greens, yeah. which I believe he's done before his myriad sauces, all the sauces he makes mind blowing. So there's touches of what I experienced in a family setting when I was a kid, but there's so much that I don't know anything about that. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like the, there's like so many soups that I've read about that I've mm-hmm. never tried. I don't know if he'll make them for me or if I'll get to try them at Diane's or somewhere else, but like pork bone soup, things like that. Yeah. I just want to experience more of it. And it's really great to see places like that and places like soul bowl, having a presence at like the twin stadium where there's a line of people to get a sticky rice bowl or, or any of these other items that are a little bit off the beaten path, just something new and, and seeing the curiosity in the general public yeah. to try those food items. Because 20 years ago, never in your wildest dreams would you imagine that people would want to try some of these foods, even though there's accessibility to all of them. I remember specifically that there was this program on Food Network. I forget what it was called, but it was kind of like a Be the Next Chipotle show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember this. I this do not. It's from, it's from a long that. time ago. It's from, what's that? I said, damn, I should have got on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know how old you would have been at the time, but this is like 15 years ago, maybe. Yeah. And the winning concept was soul food. Yeah. And the first yeah. one they opened was in the Mall of America. Oh, oh I, do I do remember this. that now. Something Daddy's. Something Daddy's. I don't remember oh, the name yeah. of it. Oh, yeah. Big Daddy's? Big Daddy's or yeah. something like that. I and, do remember that. And my brother Tony and I watched that show religiously, and we were fucking psyched. And we went the day they opened, and we got a plate, and it was dope as fuck, and it closed in a month. Yeah. Oh, and I was like... I remember that. The whole thing was a ruse. First of all, it felt like the whole show was a ruse. We were, we were like, legitimately angry about it. 
And from that day, we were like, where, where can we access that kind of food that is a place that we could just find on the internet or like figure out how to get to. And we just, we didn't have the resources to figure out where to go at that time. And it's cool to see that now there are options like Soul Bowl. And obviously there are a lot of options available that I know about now that at the time I didn't know how to suss out or to find. It wasn't as accessible on the internet, but access to food like that. And then like now Hmong food is like the next thing. We're seeing lots of like African food, like mm -hmm. Ethiopian, Somali food, Delicious. things like that. Super fucking cool yeah. to see. It is dope. I, I'm always big that I just hope that if you take Minnesota or you take Minneapolis, let's say, and, you know, carve out the demographic percentages that the food scene mirrors that. Mm. Um, and if Minneapolis really wants to be this big city that they have to be able to protect places like this, that is such a difficult thing that we are the Minneapolis. We want to be this, you know, small Chicago, small New York. But when we get these flavors or amazing chefs that are putting out cuisine that for those, who, those of us who are blessed to travel know this would crush, mm -hmm. in a, you know, in a city a little bit bigger than ours, that they really take those opportunities, whether it is like we're putting they're putting Hmong food on for the nation right mm -hmm. now. Right. Uh, and does Minneapolis take the opportunity to see like that moment in time to big up it and make sure that it is protected and that it is able to be sustained, you know, growing up on the North side, like there's a ton of Hmong population in the North side. Like, and so a lot of times, even for like black kids and African-Americans, that's their exposure to Asian. Yep. It's Hmong. Right. Which, you know, for the normal population is probably very different. And so um, even myself, like to be able to see their, culture be able to go mainstream and push and for me it's just a the narrative that like this is american food when you really want yep. to talk about what american food is this is what american food really looks like in these stories is what makes it up from the labor and the work and you know like yeah talks about his dad fighting side by side in war and like though that's that is what the stories are and i really push to see that so when i get to see uh, Hmong culture like I'm always standing up and championing that the same way uh, I am my own because it is a story that needs to be told and even in the Asian diaspora is something that can be left out we know more mm -hmm. Chinese or Vietnamese uh, food in Minneapolis than we do you know Hmong and so it is exciting to see like those opportunities shining and I just hope and pray uh, that Minneapolis takes those opportunities to know, like, you guys are doing something on a national mm -hmm. level, protect it, uh, get out of your comfort zone and try these mm -hmm. places and patronize them and learn um, because it, it's a hard thing as a chef to really be authentic and go out on this mission to, I want to make the food my grandma made, not just what I think is yeah. the cheapest or the dopest or the popular, or the most trendy or Instagram stuff to say, like, I want to make this like, you know, like the same thing. And I met like whether it's Kaluna or La 14, like yes. yep. I'm pushing that heavy because the flavors and the stories is so authentic to um, what she pushes out. And 
uh, for the women that are doing it, like what we say, the she chefs are my sheroes. Like they're crushing it right now. Yeah. And Gino uh, is next door to my cigar club, by the way. Yep. That's it. Which is fucking dangerous. So like <laughs> to be able to see, I, I'm addicted to to the uh, jalapeno basil wings. Mm. It, it's just it's it's ridiculous. And one yeah, of the spots perfect. for me, those wings home, are ridiculous. They're ridiculous. Um. So it, it is so dope to see those stories pushing, and I just want to make sure like the city protects that, and also, um steps out of their comfort zone to really push it because it's needed. And for me, like as a chef, I'd never see that as competition. I only see it as the fabric of there's people educating through food and we need all of those voices to tell the food of one, what Minneapolis actually is based upon the demographics and who lives in this city. Love that. And two, what, the fabric of all these stories that make up what American food is and let all of the ethnic cuisines go from grandma's food to fine dining. Give them all that space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I push that with Southern food. Like there's a place called be typecast. Give us range. That's it. Right. Like, like, there's like a the place in ability uh, to, to show the spectrum. There's a space in Chicago called virtue. Uh, Chef Erica Williams, another James. Yeah. Beard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, and he's, pushing soul food to such a far level and limit. And it's like, give them all that space. They all can play with those flavors and we can all dress things up and don't put the stigma that is Asian food and is not worth a certain amount of money or soul mm-hmm. food or it's Mexican food or whatever it is. It's right. like, give them that space to go from whatever your local favorite taco place in Minneapolis to oral, you mm-hmm. know, where like Gustavo's doing his thing and everything yeah, and everything in, you know, between can be, Valid in, in in this space, so you I had love to gradually that. break through those ceilings every in season cities because it was Italian first mm-hmm. yep. here. Yep. We got like Italian fine dining mm-hmm. twenty years ago, really. Like like previous not, to to Charlie Broder pushing anything, it was it didn't exist. It just you yep. you didn't have your Bar La Grasses mm-hmm. in places like that. And this is you know I know we have listeners from everywhere, but th- there's probably similar timelines mm-hmm. to a lot of other markets. And then it was how do we get Asian food and um, uh, Latin food to break through the ceiling. And those happened around the same time. But I remember feeling like the palpable struggle of getting people to pay more than a dollar 75 cents for a taco, for instance, or uh, a Chinese food or, or, you know, like a a Vietnamese or Thai place asking you for a $19 plate instead of a nine fifty plate. But we're now seeing that happen. And you're absolutely right, Gerard, that we got to, we have to start to see all of these other cultures get their chance to have a seat at the table and show their, their range and not be typecast like Sean yeah. William Scott like let's you know like let's let them show us what they can do yeah. and I'm 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 as here for it as anybody and I hope that people listening to me anywhere you are in the world are like ready for that and ready to support it even if it means like yes I will try it and see if it's for me because I bet sure as shit it's gonna be yeah mm. that's that is that is always the only ask that you get and I think what you said is sometimes it's not even the price it's just like getting them into the, sp- the space. Yeah. If the restaurant has a name Guy Noy, and you're like, well, I don't know what to. What expect. even is that? Right. So then you're maybe necessarily intimidated by um, getting the opportunity to to go in and like give them a fair chance. But what I will say is like the microcosm of diversity of chefs in this city is just breeding better quality food. Like these relationships to know that these chefs are friends and they intermingle. It's just producing 
something that I, I really hope our city sees as an amenity and like a blessing that we get to do and uh, push. Cause even like you said, East African, like if you mentioned East African, like yeah. some of the dopest East African food I've had is nestled here mm-hmm. in the cities and there's a whole population. And if you go, there's, you know, spots up and down Riverside that are putting out really good quality food <clears throat> Um, whether it's Kenyan or Liberian, you know, it's like there's really good food and those stories I think sometimes uh, just need to be pushed a little bit more. So thankful for social media and the diversity of influencers is really changing what we see, yeah. right? Yep. So what we see and view as popular, we just see it as, as Minneapolis Eats or it's, you know, Tasty Foods this or whatever the tag is, and we don't right, know right. the person behind it, which I think is for the best, but we're wow. able to get exposure to so many other places in the city that are gems and jewels that need it. And sometimes it's old school spots, like I'm one of them people that grew up on Harry's side. My dad's Guyanese, so like Trinidadian food is so close to what I grew up on. Well, legit like don't know that's 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 where this question came from so <clears throat> i was talking about how excited i was that harry's opened back up yep and uh it's a for the twin cities that was a absolute trailblazing restaurant and he shut it down for an extended period of time and finally decided to reopen it i brought two friends that literally had never even heard of it mm-hmm. they're they're my age right like a couple years younger than me oh they hadn't even heard of hadn't it? even heard of it whoa and i was like because we were on the like the text thread like where should we go eat and i threw that out there and as soon as they said like i don't even know what that is i was like all right okay this is where it's we're going. done Thanks. settle it it's where we're going mm-hmm. so you know He's back there in the kitchen and he's just like the sweetest and he yep. comes out and you know, he's like, Oh, what do you guys think? And I'm like, I'm going to kind of walk these guys through the whole menu. And so we start talking and I'm just trying to kind of explain some of the stuff. And literally while I'm talking about doubles, mm-hmm. this crew of six African-American guys walk in and they clearly had like just gotten off work and they were like ready to house. Mm-hmm. Like they were like, like, you know, when you get that buzz of a bunch of dudes that are all just like talking over each other because they're so hungry. Yep. Like, I was like, oh, rad. The fellas are here. And a couple of the guys were also unfamiliar. So they started listening to what I was saying, and then we all started talking. And the, the, like, the crew boss came in. He was last, and he comes in, and basically he shut it all down with, like, everybody stop talking because we're getting wings to start. That's just how it is. And then we sat and we had this really great like communal meal. Like we were spread out across a couple tables, but everybody was asking what everybody else had and they were all getting into it. And I just like, all I could think of is like, this is exactly what I love. This is like church chairs and vinyl tablecloths. And the guy who's taking your order is going right back and he's making everything himself. And that just, that just got my ball rolling. And of course, Having you on the show, I I wanted to use this question as a way of putting that yeah. mirror back on you, because when I was standing next to that line at Soul Bowl at Target Center, uh, I heard three different groups telling your story. Yeah, you know, wow. and like that's that's beautiful because all these like I, I'm going to call them kids because they were at least ten or twenty years younger than me. Yeah, but all of a sudden you just made that attainable. Yeah. To somebody. Yep. And that is such an incredible, empowering thing to have Mm -hmm. to get to watch that. And then I take a step back and I start looking at like all the travels that we've been fortunate enough to have. Like, you know, who have I crossed paths with? Who inspires me? And the fact that like my wife and I got to have like chicken and waffles at a joint in Oslo, Norway. 
Dope. And I That's asked crazy. the chef, like he came out because obviously he knew we were American. Yeah. And he was like, how do we do? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of mad because like, how is this so good? Yeah. And they closed the restaurant for a month every year and they travel the American South. That is dope. And they don't do the okay. cities. They don't do the, the yeah. fine dining. They're hitting the little spots. They rent a car. And they drive through the small towns and that they pick dope. a route so that they can start and end in a city so that, you know, obviously they can fly in and yep. out, but you could taste that in there. And they were, they're like, we, we didn't have flavor. We didn't have any of this here. And we just wanted to reflect that. And I'm like, that's that fucking amazing. amazing. And then <clears throat> the, the, I've, I've actually talked about both of these chefs on the show before, but watching their journeys continue to progress. I want to keep shining it on them. Um, Chef BJ Dennis, yep. who uh, you know is the the proponent of Gullahichi, dude. Like what he's doing right now culturally to start preserving language yep. and all of that. Like it's not now it's gotten bigger than food. Mm-hmm. You know now it's literally like not only we're we preserving the recipes, we're preserving the stories, we're preserving the language, we're yeah. preserving everything. Yep. And then I I found him through Michael Twitty. Yep, Michael and, Twitty was just here and like seeing. Like I found out about Michael Twitty when he won the James Beard Award for the cooking gene. Yep. But now watching what he's done with uh, with now bringing in like Jewish flavors yes. into the food that his family cooked with its roots in slavery, like it's you're literally changing people, and you like kind of like you were saying, like you don't read cookbooks a lot. He he's telling the story, mm-hmm. and then by the end of that story, you just want to try that food. Yeah, and it, what's interesting, I think that people miss out is what makes soul food difference. What makes soul food different from a lot of other cu- cuisines, and why it's so impactful, and the stories are there, is because through slavery we lost so much of our identity that so much of it is preserved through the recipes. So you see, like a Michael Twitty, it makes perfect sense because you're like. Everything that you're teaching has a background to a recipe and the recipe shows this is the plants they used to grow. This is the recipe. This is how they harvest. This is food for workers. This is food for, you know, who are they making this food for? And you get to learn so much through the recipes because there's no textbooks. There's no writings to say, like, this is the recipe. It, and maybe why I don't have affinity for recipes to this day, mm-hmm. I'd rather you tell me about your Lebanese experience and learn it that way than to read it proper in a book. But that is, I think, the space that makes Soul Food carve out. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, what I feel um, purpose to continue to challenge in this uh, industry and in Minneapolis that soul food and monk food and all these other flavors don't get left out of the progression of the bigger scope of American food and that those stories are also getting told simultaneously because if you are blessed to travel, you know they're delicious. Mm -hmm. If you are blessed to travel, you know that you've had some mind-blowing experiences Mm -hmm. trying things that aren't necessarily from your food. And what's dope in Minneapolis is that we're all making it from the lens of what we can have access to here. Mm -hmm. So there's also that complexity of it of, you know, Hmong people are making what they can grow and, you know, harvest in Minneapolis. Sure. Also, on top of the fact that they're holding their heritage. So for yeah. me, so much of the stories go through that, that those, you know, like Gullah Geechee, you look at like, that's Mayflower yeah. parallel. That goes back to mm-hmm. when they landed. Like, you're a couple miles down the beach and you're where Gullah Geechee is and like you're able to learn and see that culture that wanted to preserve themselves without the european influence and still hold true to those traditions and like those stories for me just 
are what make food magical and why even if it's crazy to be a chef and dive into the restaurant and all the other stuff like that's what I'm called to do to tell the story behind the food. And so like um, just like segueing into classics and what we're about to do, the food is uh, a love letter from me. And so it really is like my lens on food, which can sound cliche for a chef, but I'm a Guyanese American chef that spent my childhood in Seattle on the West coast and live in the Midwest. I've opened 20 plus restaurants in my career country, you know, across the nation, uh, worked for a place that did sushi for a decade and have like come out of this experience where I was trying to like build my resume and grow all these things to say like, this is now what I have to give. Mm. And so the food will be um, a perspective of that where when you come and you have something that has smoked salmon with it, you now get into the story of my childhood riding my bike down to go fish and that mm-hmm. there was natives down there, you know, uh, being able to smoke the fish and clean them for you. It's your and playlist. It's, that is it. It's yeah. the playlist. Yep. So it's not just that. There's a place in New York, and I love the term. It's called food sermon. And it's like this is, this is the food sermon of – what I'm trying to express. And so um, some work to do, but all of the items are meant to tell you uh, a story about what's impactful. Grew up in Seattle. My favorite ethnic cuisine to eat as a kid was Thai food. And there's such a big influence there that I learned that Thai makes some of the best damn fried chicken you ever had. Mm -hmm. And I maybe didn't know the, the, the spaces, but it like, as a kid, once I got to that. And so telling that story through the food is what I hope is showcased more. You know, I love places that are fine dining and it's like, let's be technical and take this thing to the moon and back. But I want to know the why of why you wanted to do that. And why is it impactful that I eat these flavors and you know, who preserved this and what is that legacy to me? That's more impactful than knowing that you can sous vide this to the perfect degree and slice it and sear it and give this to me on a plate. That's, you know, wrapped in something that's sous vide. Now I go to my Michelin star places and I love that experience too. But what sticks with me is when you tell me what the experience is, uh, and why it's impactful that I eat this thing. And Minneapolis has so much of that going on right now. Learn the story. Harry, um, Harry's two stalls down from me at the fair in the food building. My dad, uh, rest in peace, uh, took me to Harry's because it's like the close Trinidadian food is the closest thing to Guyanese food in Minneapolis that he could get. And so, uh, you know, you get the curry roti is one of those things that I just love. Right. And you talk about the spice, too, and you get to add your little heats and the pepper sauce to it. It's delicious. And so um, I watched Harry uh, at the fair last two years and. I watched this guy like execute the fair at his age and make the food and be there and train the staff. And I'm like, this guy is Iron Man. If this is anybody else in Minneapolis, I don't know how old Harry is. I'm assuming Harry's like 70s. Gotta be. And and for anybody out there listening that that has never ever ever seen this man, I'm sure you've seen quote unquote this man before. Uh, (laughs) Very slight smaller man yeah native who, trinidadian who like, has who has that posture that it looks like that apron must weigh 25 pounds yep because exactly where the apron goes around his neck he just start, starts this like slow curve but at the same time like i watched this dude 
push out so much. It looks like his back would hurt, and he just crushes food. That's it. And then he comes to your table, and he's the sweetest human being ever. And he's a server. Like that's yeah. a, that that is a that is a lost art. So yep. many chefs would have a totally different experience in yep. this industry if they had to come to your mm-hmm. table and take the order. Yeah, and he's, he's got his little it's uh, his little like like flip notebook with the spiral across the top. Yeah, and a little pencil, cool. and he just that's writes that. down. And like I I love the fact that like he knew that the two people with me were definitely unfamiliar and he was straight up being like, no, don't get that. No, get this. No, get that. (laughs) He changed uh, aside from the one thing that I ordered, he changed what everybody else ordered. And then he just looked at me and winked and kind of smiled and then went in back. That's a lost art, man. Cause that's also super old world. If you go to foreign countries and you go to like little family owned eateries Mm -hmm. or like single person operations, it's the same shit. This is good today. Get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something in for you. It'll mm-hmm. be on your bill. But my 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 prayer <laughs> in this industry is that I still have the passion to tell that story at yeah. his age. Oh man, yeah. like that 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 is yeah. still a fire burning in me. And like, you know, pandemic hurt some places, man. So to to have a chance to be out and go back in mm-hmm. is wild. It's crazy. Like it's crazy to me to make that decision to say, okay. We're we're gonna polish off the boot. We're gonna polish off the uh, Birkenstocks and get the apron ready, and we're going back in. You know, back into yeah. the kitchen. It it is like a crazy move after you get a break and after you've done it for so many decades. So like, big ups to him and excited for people to really get those stories. And if you get a chance to eat the flavors, like stop eating pizza for once this month and go <laughs> try something that is delicious. And, and you know, and, and unless you're eating like some very delicious pizza, but you know, like, but still like, and, and wherever you are in the world, like go, go find a spot like that. That's it. Find a spot that's telling the story with the patina on the walls and it's telling a story with the smell yes. in the air when you're walking up. Every city I go to, I want to eat mm-hmm. something nice that might be a little more higher end that the city's known for. But I want to eat something that's Greasy Spoon that's like there's a story back here and they might have quirky hours. But the food yeah. is phenomenal. And in that is an experience unlike anything like I've done it. I've been in Napa. I've had a chance to eat Thomas Keller and do it like, but there's some stories that will, will rival all of the energy and effort that a place like, you know, French laundry puts into their food, just even here to hear Yia tell his story, mm-hmm. you know, like, and it is so it's a different frequency. Yeah. It's it. a different frequency and it resonates. Like it's something that if, you know, for a lot of us, if we talk about the food, our grandparents cooked and not coming from a lot of means and having to pr- make food for all these big families and the flavors and recipes that they use, you're like, a lot of us can identify with, with that. And that's like, Oh, well my grandma did it like this. And you know, I, I, I enjoy it. That's one of the things I love about potato salad. Cause I'm like here in this space in Minnesota and I have people that grew up with that in a Norwegian, in a Norwegian way. And I grew up with it in a Southern way. And I'm like, this is a common ground. We can talk, right? Like we understand potato salad and it can be something trivial, but now let me take this thing that you love and show you how it rocks on how to the make soul food good. side and then <laughs> right. put some salt in it, you know, take the raisins out and then also, uh, you know, yeah. transition it into something different with smoked yeah. salmon. You know, like it can no, totally Don't put the raisins be, in in the first place. Oh, please, please, please don't. Mercy. Please don't. Mercy. <clears throat> hey, and like, here's a, here's like a hot productivity tool. The type A tip, type, type A tip of the week. Make a fucking note in your phone. Whatever application you use to make notes i use an application called evernote make a notepad called eat this or something like that mine's called eat this and i have various like tiers of documentation there's like never been there go there you haven't been here in a minute 
you want to go back, go back. And then things like these guys actually do brunch. Mm-hmm. These guys actually do lunch. These guys stay open late. Things like that, right? Yeah, can confirm. And just start documenting. Because I know that outside of that, and speaking as somebody that's got great memory, I mean, sometimes someone will say like, Yo, I was at Harry Sings last night. It was fucking awesome. And I'm like, God damn it. I haven't been to Harry Sings in a decade. Yeah. And then the next day I forget. And mm-hmm. then someone says it a year later. And I'm like, God damn, it's I haven't been to Harry Sings in 11 years. Yeah. So open a document on your chosen app. Make a list called Eat This or Places I Want to Dine. And write down Soul Bowl, Harry Sings, Camden Social, fucking... Diane's place, like make make a document so that you can remember, and then you can refer to that when you're like, "Where do we eat tonight?" Because we're habitual, we're human beings. The easiest thing is the thing that's set right before us. I mean, six seven restaurants like, max is a normal person, right? It's just uh, you just access the thing that seems most comfortable to you. Yep. But let's kind of let's open up the the focal point. Let's open the eye of the lens and and open ourselves up to new experiences. To to put a bow on that, um, I want to apologize to all of our listeners. My voice has been kind of in and out. Uh, I'm in the middle of I'm, yeah. I'm in the middle of of uh, uh, three weeks in a row of a fundraiser for it's, it's an iron bartender competition here in Minneapolis, raising money for Project Black and Blue, which is uh, an amazing emergency fund for people in the service industry for anything that they need. But it involves like four or five hours of me aggressively talking and yelling into a microphone. But um, before it started, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people that were attending uh, listened to the show. So shouts out to all of you for being there. You're wonderful humans. Uh, there was a group of uh, bartenders that were going down to New Orleans for the first time. Yeah. And they wanted to know. They came up to me and they're like, I know, like, we listened to the show. We know you guys have been to New Orleans. Like, what's, give me, give me some, like, dope-ass spots. So I listed off a couple cocktail joints. They're like, oh, what about, what about for food? And they were going for all like heavy hitter James Beard shit. No, and I was like, "Do you do you do you really want to you want to know like if I close my eyes, what top three favorite restaurant moments of all time are?" Like, yeah, I said, sitting at Willie Mae's Scotch House and looking through that door, ostensibly sitting in a living room of a house, and looking through that door and seeing a four burner gas stove with four cast iron. (laughs) pots on it and that's what my chicken was cooking in that's it i was fighting through the end of norovirus i had not had a solid meal in a day and a half and i was not gonna let that fucking meal go and i crushed chicken and red beans and rice and it was amazing and like i would put that against almost every dinner i've ever had in my life Mm -hmm. partly because the story is written on the walls it's written on every human being working there it's written on the other people that were sitting around us. Everyone was there because they just wanted to be a part of that fabric that stretches back almost a hundred years. That, that was it for me. I was like, you guys get your, I literally said, get your phones out right now, text each other, put it in. Like if you do nothing else, please do that. Please fucking go there. Cause that's, that's where you actually get to experience what the city is. That is it. You know, like there's, yeah, there's fine dining everywhere. You can find that. And don't find get me it. wrong. There's some great places. Yep. But that that was that was when I really felt like mm-hmm. I was a part of ac- the actual humans here. Yeah, pick your frequency. No, pick your pick your frequency, mm-hmm. but like it's okay to have different frequencies. Yeah. 
I'm like mix it up. I've done, I've, I've over, I've beat myself over the head with Michelin stars. Like Mario saying like, dog, I, I still got it. I don't nope. need another star, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's nice to, if you like that kind of thing and I like that kind of thing, then do that. But also go to, it's, it's go, dope, to go to spots like that. I just feel like if it's your it's, first time in New Orleans, don't, don't, don't do all nice you're gonna, stuff. Yeah, you're going to, you might. Oh, miss, no, all, miss all nice stuff. Of course. No, I don't think you should do that anywhere. And, and I'm speaking as someone who has done that many places. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> cautionary tale, don't do all that because. Stop will, fucking with that spring. You I, I like the balance it. of it. That's is my it thing. Coming? Is it? <laughs> What? Absolutely. I, that I will tell you, like it was I, trying to pop up. I love the balance of it. I'm fresh off of going to Linea, like, and I was geeking out yeah. about like getting the chance to go to Linea and do the whole thing. Mm. But in the how'd same, you, how'd you like it? Were you there recently? I was there recently. Um, okay. Can we be honest about Linea? Let's let's do it. Did you love it? So I've been to the three, uh, three or four. Uh, Linea. Mich- oh, no, no, sorry. no. Michelin okay. star, you know, restaurants, yes. Yes. French Laundry, Alinea, like, have gone down the list a little bit. So the group that I was with, and I've eaten at the other ones with them, this was their favorite. Mm. For me, uh, Alinea, I love the dessert was Crusher, and, you know, that part was dope. It's fun, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's a- I think the ambiance of the place I liked at some other different places that I that was, that I was at, we were kind of just at a table and kind of like a room and that piece of it. Um, I had a really good server, and their personality shined through more than you would expect from a fine dining place where there's a lot of mm-hmm. setup. We had a lot more conversation, very personable talked us through and once they knew we were in industry they kind of like let their guard down and had some fun with us so that part made it good um i I don't know if it's my favorite i want to go back because there's another experience and not to be overly critical i think grant's Grant's been dope and go through you know like losing your taste palate and coming back and like keeping the restaurant it's killing it um i want to go back and experience in that but it was very technically like to the moon and mm. what's interesting is oh, a chef sure. there's a lot of it i appreciate uh but for the table i was with not chefs but people who love food mm-hmm. there was some of it that just went over their heads and i was just like oh so like you don't know the process of him making passion fruit dust like that's <laughs> yes. that's just yeah, like oh this sure. passion fruit dust and i ate it but it's like uh-uh. no <laughs> that's like a four-day thing you know like this is mm-hmm. a difficult process or for me to say how so I was very marveled at the execution yep. of some of the manipulation of the things. Um, but I think there also is a place of just like uh, pulling it all together and making sure that it's what the guest is uh, enjoying on that spot. The dessert was yeah. good. My wife absolutely loved it. Um, I think it's too. I really loved French Laundry uh, and the experience that I oh, had there. Yeah, And I no think question. that for me is like dope. And I actually got to meet the chef so that kind of that might tip me over if you take that off i might be neck and neck but like that might tip me over the scale one okay. way or the other okay what's your experience i'm curious to hear yeah i just the last the last time i went to linea i was i was like uh it, the problem is that the star system has you know there's it sets before you kind of what the expectation is so does it feel like the value of it because of how high they set the bar of like this is xyz stars it or might is have it been, like what they gave you it might have been a weird trip because it might have been like a little bit of reaching mm-hmm. so i do love when restaurants are explorative with their techniques and 
and flavors, but also it has to be a great meal. I thought it was still really good, but that same trip, I went to Smith and I went to Oriole. Got it. Smith and Oriole were both two stars, and I was like, Smith and Oriole were both, they were both better meals. That's what I've Smith been Smith just got their third star, and so I was like, fuck, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, well, I posted on my about list. it, and I was like, Oriole, you're next, because Oriole is incredible. Yeah. They're up there. Oriole's on my list. I haven't got a chance to go Oh, there. man, Oriole's great. Yeah. yeah, and also there's like, you know, they do a little trickery, but it's not really with their food. You just come oh. through like this elevator shaft to get in there. Yep. Beautiful space with like magazine pages pasted on the walls and stuff. But yeah, Chicago is a, a, a brilliant, vibrant. Yeah, there's an old school scene. place that I love. It was my first Michelin star. It's closed now, but it was called True. Oh, yeah. yeah. And True was True phenomenal. True is dope. I also love Ever. Uh, and yes. so I love Curtis yeah, yeah. Duffy. And I think True is technically the first Michelin star restaurant I went to. It was my first. Yeah. Me and Brittany's like first anniversary yeah. we went uh, like nine years, I think nine years ago, something like that. First anniversary we went to Chicago and the experience was just immaculate and they hit it. And what I will say, I agree with you that the food was, the food was great, but cohesive. I don't know if it felt like. That's a, it. That's, that's all. If it felt like, like a cohesive experience yeah, when I got done. I yeah. ate a lot of really dope things and it blew my mind and you made caviar out of thin air, but it was just like, For sure. what did it feel cohesive at the end? But my, what I was saying was like, my experience was like, do that and then like go to Mr. Beef's. Like that's how I travel. I'm, a, I'm an Al's like, beef guy, man. That's it. You know, yep. so like, I'm like, when I go places, I'm like, do that, you know, go somewhere high end and go to Willie Mays or go, you know, I love this place called the Morals in New Orleans that like yeah. you got to drive and you, you know, you, you got to go to whatever ward it's in. It's not right down in the, in the space, but it's like, then you get an opportunity to taste something. But I love those, the balance of those two experiences. So when I'm going and I'm looking for what's super high end and then like, what's the people's favorite thing or what's the story yeah. that I need to come back with that I had this flavor and it's off the beaten path. I, you know, my wife will tell you, I packed the car up, I got the GPS and I take her on a hike and she's just like, where the hell are we? We're on a mission for delicious food. And that was, I mean, legit, uh, the, the biggest regret that I have uh, from our trip to New York uh, a few months ago was that there was a Trinidadian doubles food cart on wall street that introduced me to like so many things that I had never had before. Yep. And they are currently temporarily closed with no reopening date. Mm, Cause I right. think the woman that owns it and runs it, I think she's just a little too old and her health is starting to fail. I might have to put you on a Guyanese bakery. Dude, bro, please, we might please, please, please. So please what's do. interesting with like some of the ethnic stuff in New York, which where my family, if I have family in Queens, uh, shout out to the class family. They, um, the bakeries is where like the best food is. So the most of the stuff is pastries and desserts and stuff. And then they do a little bit of savory oh, and that savory is like, you are everybody does their language. And everybody does their own patties. So nope. if you look at anything in that Caribbean West Indian yeah. thing, yeah. like the patty is a thing. It's, it's, it was for a worker. So what are like some examples? So it was like, you know, like it's for a worker. Same thing like empanada. Like you're going to work that day. You put the patties or, you know, empanada in your pocket. Pasty. They stay warm. It's got right, pasty, like same for, thing. Or like some, so for Guyanese. versions of like Guyanese? No. So, 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 yeah. so I'll give you a couple okay. uh, ones that I like. So Guyanese, you'll see a little more flaky. Doesn't have the turmeric in it. So it doesn't have that orange, that orange too. Like too. It's Jamaican. Also the dough itself is different as well. The, the yep. dough itself is a little different, and the Guyanese ones I, I have are a little, or sometimes round. 
uh, so they're round and they don't have like that rectangle shape where it's uh, pierced at the edges. I also have affinity to Haitian patty. My best friend's Haitian. So mm. like I've had an opportunity to have the patties. And so the meat just has a different uh, spice to it. Uh, where it's got some of like the what we call pumpkin pie spices, but they use it in a different you know different way. Yeah. So you might yeah. have like an all spicer yes. uh, pimento spice in uh, the patties, and so the meat is spiced a different way. And then places, uh, most of them do like a vegetarian, which might be like a slaw or like a doubles filling, or like a chickpea filling, yeah. a chicken one, which usually isn't my favorite, and then like the beef, which is like the quintessential, like this is the best of the best patties. And so when you get an opportunity any of those you know whether it's Grenada or whatever it is like you get the Haitian Guyanese Jamaican like everybody has their own patty and you get an opportunity to do it but the bakeries are dope because they're fresh like Minneapolis we try to do our best thing but most of the patties we get are coming frozen directly from New York and it's like we're doing the best when we cook them but it's like getting dry pasta versus fresh pasta it there's a huge it's digital analog it's a different thing but once you get them it's like a game changer in the fillings uh and so new york has been dope because like cocoa bread and patties have been going like a little millennial where they're like cut them open and put cheese in them or put plantains on and making a sandwich and like do a little bit more millennial stuff yeah. than just the traditional from the kids and it's just like it's just mind-blowing i wasn't gonna bring this up but <clears throat> i gotta give you credit because uh two three four days ago it was uh the anniversary the the first year of of covid was shut down <clears throat> sorry again my voice um i i had gone and picked up a bunch of food from sobo and uh i was sitting at home and I was just crushing. Like I saved the one last patty for the end because yep. that's always like that's the flavor that I want. When we lingering. see Ben coming, we got his patty. <laughs> you know, that's the flavor that I wanted. And I I looked up uh, turmeric dough, and I was like, I actually think I could do this. And I had time at the time. And I've talked about it on the show before. My deathbed meal is concubine noodles from Jian Famous okay. with their cumin lamb sandwich. Mm. and Banging. i had hacked the cumin lamb sandwich i gotta have this now and so just... i took the cumin lamb i made that and i put it Ooh. in turmeric dough as a patty and my man it was that's one of the be best wild. things that i have ever cooked for myself that's gotta be wild. like i sat there trying to figure slappable. out i've learned i'm no, i don't really know how to use that term but i prefer the way i use it for sure i would slap four or yeah. five of those i literally like i was questioning my own sanity in how many more i could eat before i really was going to feel uh, bad poisoning yes it's good for you like the tips of my fingers are turning orange you know like, like trying to scare people off msg oh, oh my god yeah. 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 just more for me is all i'm saying <laughs> but like that was it was it was just a reminder of like this is this is why this exists. You have to have something that people can just take with them. Yeah, and so sure as shit, I had a few left over. Oh, hold the on next a day, second. warmed them up, took them in the car. Did you just make a fine? Did you just make a last meal joke and didn't know it? I did. Something they take with them. <laughs> I did because you're dead and it's in your. Because I'm on my way out. It was it was literally like I because that's why all of those things exist. It's for hardworking yeah. people that have to have something with them because there's nobody like serving them lunch. Yep. And I had two left, and I heated them up, and I wrapped them in a paper towel, put it in a bag, and I'm cruising to work. And then I'm like, ah, I need a little notch. 
And it was, oh my God, it was almost even better the next day because mm-hmm. a little bit of that cumin and a little oh, bit of that man. pepper had soaked into the dough. So it was still crispy and flaky in the outside. But the inside. Mm, mm. My God. Okay. So we're like going to do like a meal swap. Mm. Let's go. You know, like <laughs> that sounds like what's yeah, going on. Collagen reset yep. On, yep. on the food and the collagen reset on your body. Yeah, yeah, sir. Like, Let's the go. patty, man. Like I have a couple shows, like if Netflix hires me and one of them is going to be like tortillas and going through like roti and mm-hmm. naan and injera and like all the different types of wraps. And, yeah. I, and then there's a segment Whoa. of it that's patties. So like if <laughs> they hire me, I will do that and travel the world. You guys, we, we missed, we missed a food and music combo. And if you have this show happen, we just please promise me that when you're doing the naan, that you'll have Trick Daddy Nan playing over the top of it. <laughs> Just call it You Don't Know Nan. You Don't Know Nan. <laughs> so, like, literally right now I got tabs because I want to I, I wanna do some, like, various flatbreads of other cultures. Yes. Because on a recent episode uh, with Sam Chelberg, we were talking about, yep. like, the fact that I make my own curry, spice blends, I toast everything, yep. I blend everything, grind everything, toast everything, and he's like, do you make your own naan? And I'm like, Please I toast your it. spices, people. Please toast please. your dry spices, please. And so I have, like, grilled naan and bing, bing bread, Chinese bing yep. bread. Because, mm. like, Major Domo, uh, Marnie and I, when we went to Major Domo, David Chang, we got this bing bread that had... um king crab on it and it was just fucking out of this world just unbelievable i got it those those they're very similar breads honestly yeah. that's cool like studying that like I, li- different- I like that so so like guyanese roti what we it's a very mm-hmm. specific thing mm-hmm. and even roti and then we have one like dal puri that has like spices and chickpeas in yep. the middle of it which is a little more savory version um you know i have really one of my best friends is Kenyan, and they bring chapati, mm-hmm. and yeah. so chapati the chapati is, so is very you know close. And so, you know, and I've been in Minnesota, so it's like everything from that to Lefsa and what's in between. It's like I I think there's so so many familiar lines from tortillas to Lefsa to all the way to this chapati and roti world. And so much, even to see roti go from Middle Eastern to West, you know, to Caribbean and West Indian. Like people don't even know there's a difference between pita and flatbread. That is it. Real talk, right now, I <clears throat> I love turmeric and potatoes together. What if we did a turmeric lefsa and we did a fucking uh, spicy Jamaican beef roll-up? I mean, like... I'm telling you, we could do it this. Works. It's it's like, neighbors, it, it works. It's neighbors. It works. What's interesting matchup. that you said that is that's the way my culinary mind thinks. Yeah. And so when I see familiar things... It doesn't like in, it doesn't intimidate me. It makes me think like, oh, this is a great idea. Why has nobody ever right like did the this the latent sweetness like of the potatoes up starch with a yeah, yeah just yeah. like whether switching up a starch for something or if it's looking at um, a dish and it's just like oh this is very familiar to me in a different way and I'm like okay how do we kind of collab some of these ideas in in flavor so even like i said like with the restaurant one of the things we're going to be making is like jerk chicken taquitos right mm. so you know taquitos yeah. you know jerk chicken but the collab of like i want to tell this story of what these two things mean to me and growing up in minneapolis I like and, three or 71 of those i mean like that's at that's, least that's, that's the thing. so some of those flavors will be some of the stories that we tell where it's just like 
No, this makes complete like you saying, like yep. putting Lefts, uh, you know, in 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 a roll up with a spicy beef pad. Like, it yeah, makes, when can I get jerk chicken taquitos though? Where where <laughs> jerk chicken back to the jerk taquitos, chicken taquitos. <laughs> are coming very shortly Don't in March, and I will make sure you guys you guys get on that. Um, they're delicious, and I'm very excited yeah. to put them on like a formal menu. We've done them with some pop ups and stuff like that, and. Uh, I'm so excited to tell that, oh, man. that story. Let's fucking go. It's going to be wild. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of it's going to be wild and where to find it, uh, can you let all of our listeners know if they're coming through the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, where can they find uh, you and where can they follow you on online, on the socials? This is going to be longer than I want. But no. uh, you can find us uh, at Sobol, SobolMN.com, or SobolMN on all the social platforms. Uh, we're in Target Field, Target Center, and U.S. Bank, and also at the State Fair. And then our main space is in the Gray's Food Hall nestled in North Loop. Uh, you can also check out Camden Social, which uh, me and my wife have a privilege to be the partner of. 46 in Lindale. Um, it's a beautiful spot, a little speakeasy, beautiful cocktails, some uh, homage to Southern food and delicious cigars from Allure. Uh, and then we also just opened up uh, Cream Cafe. Mm-hmm. And Cream Cafe is just creating some fun, vibrancy to breakfast and the energy of getting your coffee and a place to refuel in the busy downtown area. And then we will be opening Classics Kitchen and Cocktails, which is uh, my coming out. Uh, party to my love language to my love letter to Minneapolis of all this delicious food we've been talking about will be nestled right in Mill City uh, in Minneapolis and so classics with a K classics with a K classics kitchen and cocktails and uh, the premise is just a lot of uh, global comfort food uh, mashups and I cook from a hip hop lens. I know that can sound cliche, but the same way that hip hop takes, uh, you know, a background to all these different music types and smashes them together, where there's rhythm and blues or soul or gospel or rock or whatever it is. And they mash that up into this beautiful thing. And it's a little flashy and a little bit in your face. It's the same approach that I take to cooking. And so we'll be looking at food uh, through that lens. Uh, We have a dish that's like a jambalaya fettuccine. Uh, and so we'll be taking two oh, things that you know separately <laughs> and putting them back reimagined in a way that's like, this is still comfort food. It's not cliche because when I eat that, I'm going to be like, this motherfucker spitting. That's mm. it. So it, it'll be some things that are unique, but it'll definitely hit some comfort food bones and just things you didn't know you needed. And Love just it. a blessing to travel and, you know, to be able to take down. I hope to pull in uh, different influences and say, like, this is... Uh, this dish we're going to present to you. And it maybe might have some Hmong influence or some Italian influence, uh, but it's got some soul food backing to it. And it just is hip hop in its truest form on the plate. It's a quote Q-tip. Why would I not take the greatest things that have ever been created and make something different with it? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that is it. And like, it's all in the means of comfort to really serve with joy and generosity. That's a lot of our um, core values of the business and, uh, I love I love fine dining, uh, but I want to make a space that's a casual enough space that you can come two, three times a week. You can bring people who want to eat a lot of different things and find something for everybody in its value based where you can leave and you can know that I got my money's worth. I might have a little doggy bag to take with me. Uh, and it's a chill vibe where we're playing some old school Q-tip or, you know, it, there might be a little Noriega in the back and it's just a chill vibe and you can enjoy it um with some delicious uh cocktails so 
that's our that's our plan and that's what we'll be executing and then next door is uh some dope coffee flights and uh breakfast sandwiches we get a chance to put the breakfast sandwich my mom used to make me yes. on the way to church that I would eat wrapped oh, in foil right. in the back seat <laughs> uh and so we get a chance to just is it still wrapped in foil we we probably should do that. As soon as we start some takeout, I, I think that. I might wrap I love it in that foil. Aesthetic, uh-huh. I might wrap like, it in foil. Soon it just as feels now that right. you said that. There's something about the way that it just steams a little bit in there it does. too. And, yeah. that is, and that is the thing. Like even though it was some it, it, there's the essence of steaming it and keeping it warm that it just makes you feel it's got an old school feel too. It, it does got an old school like, feel to it. Well, I and I went and saw Iron Claw last mm-hmm. weekend, the uh, you know, the movie it's a pro wrestling movie. But they had this one scene. I don't know, Kwame, if you had the same feeling. But there's a scene where the three of the brothers were sitting in a truck. They went and got burgers together. Yes! And they were tinfoil wrapped burgers. Uh-huh. That's it. And there was, like, music playing from uh-huh. the late 70s, yep. I think, in this old pickup truck. And it was bumping along. And they were just slowly taking bites out of burgers and nodding their heads to the music. And I was like... Oh man, that just reminds me of being a kid. That tinfoil wrap cheeseburger. Although I will admit, I was I was salty in that exact moment because I never fold the foil down. Like when it's time to eat it, I just pull the whole thing out oh, and yeah, I, you gotta, I crush. You gotta slowly. You gotta I don't. Slowly. You I know, don't do that with burritos. Uh, I don't do it with burgers. I don't do it with chicken sandwiches. So there's this thing. It's just like you know, on a bumpy you, road in a truck. I think that was if you why don't I know what you're eating for the rest of the day, you you eat it in such a way that if you gotta rewrap it. <laughs> You might have the second so, half later. You know, the funny part, though, is that it was the opposite for me. It was if I leave it, then somebody else might eat it. Yep, I get Like, that. if I was going to, like, my friend's house or whatever, like, if I house the whole thing, then I know that I'm full. Yep. And I can lay with that, I guess. There's some people, and, and, and I remember that you said that earlier. I'm a leftovers guy. You say you're not a leftovers guy. So that makes sense to me. I'm a, like, I'm probably going to eat half of it. If I get something that's delicious, I'm gonna take two bites of it and wrap it back up right away, and then get home and eat the rest of it. Sure, sure. Uh, Let's go till we're uncomfortable, baby. <laughs> Let's go till we're uncomfortable. At least I got one meal. That if I die it. tomorrow, <laughs> I die with a full belly. I, I'm with yeah. that. I'm with and it goes I'm with, with you. That. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate and it. And congratulations on yes. all of your success. It, it is, is a joy and pleasure. Yeah, to man. Witness, uh, the things you're doing. It's it's fucking rad, and it's just amazing to get to to be able to cruise along with the journey, man. Yeah, to watch things grow, to watch things happen, to like turn on the local news and just see you and be like on TV. I appreciate that. Telling the story that you're telling with food. Yeah, you know, like some people, they're not tasting it; they got to hear it, but then yeah. they want to come see you. And there's there's nothing that I love more than getting to go to the fair, getting to go to a sports game, whatever, and still be able to support what you're trying to do. I appreciate that. I am blessed beyond measure to be able to do what I love and make a living off of that and support my family. And uh, this story, man, of food and how it's changed my life is something that I want to just continue to push. And I love the city I'm in. such a big up to all the chefs. I may not be buddy and buddy and see them every day, but to see how the scene is progressing and where we're going, like I just want to do my culture justice and, you know, push our narrative uh, as part of the fabric of the bigger narrative of what Minneapolis is like. This city really has the background to make national impact. And Mm -hmm. I see that every time, every time beer comes or, you know, like these awards come through, it's like Minneapolis gets more and more every year that you see. And 
uh, I love to see that. Like when I see that places are New York Times best restaurants and they're here in my backyard, it's like go get those stories. Like go to Petit Leon, go to La Fortine or Guy Noy or like go to, you know, Union Mung or Vinay when it's open. Like get those stories. Come to Sobo, check out. Because that for me is what is the secret sauce of why we live here. Facts. People always want to know like why are you here and it's freezing cold and this and that. And it's just like – there's a background to this city that you can be authentically yourself in a really crazy diverse way. There's space for you to live uh, and tell your story. And like, this is a space I want my kid to grow up in to say like, you're in Minneapolis. We can have dosa. We can have curry and roti. We can have burgers. We can have jerk chicken. We can have Italian food. We can have sushi. And like, that can just be a part of your normal childhood in a 10 block radius in Minneapolis. Hell it yeah. doesn't have to be like yep. this crazy thing where we're going to all these different cities. Like you can learn so much culture right here on these Minneapolis streets. Right. I just want the kids, you know, the kids to be able to see the kids that look like me to be able to see black ownership. It's, an, yes. it's, it's important and impactful to me. Yes. Not only that we're talented, but that uh, we got ownership in things and, to be able to use these businesses, not just for myself, but to create opportunities mm-hmm. for a whole fabric of, you know, the next generation that is taking these ideas way farther than, you know, where I thought that they could be. Well, and not just opportunities, but inspiration. That's it. You know, like yep. people, once you can see it, you can be it. That is it. The, the gap is you, so man. much shorter. And like for me, a lot of those chefs were in different cities. I was in New York or Chicago when I was a kid getting my first exposure to, you know, black chef owners. And so to bring that back to Minneapolis and there's so many dope chefs that have passed through my doors at, in Sobol among the years that are doing their thing that it's like I really want to continue to push that so that mm-hmm. they can see that. And it just makes it so that the it's not just food, you know, like right. to me, that is just such an ignorant way to look at it. It's the stories, it's a heritage, it's a legacy, but it's also business. Mm-hmm. I've been able like, it's wild to think. And I sit here, but like I come from a you know corporate restaurant background, but I've been able to support my family for the last five years, like selling amazing food and telling this story. And that's not out of uh, the spectrum for anybody else in this, in this city. Minneapolis is big enough for you to, do your thing and keep it authentic from yes. Hmong to soul food, to Italian to some Yo. of the best Mexican food you can get. Like my little spot on Lake street is still dope as hell. And like, you know, I want mm-hmm. people to know those, those, those things. So that's, that's what I'm here. And I'll say that on. no matter where you're listening to this from, don't go out of your comfort zone, expand your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. 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 I love that. Well, uh, because we don't have the copyrights to it, what I will say is we're going to hit you with the outro music, but go listen to Super Thug from Nori. Man. Please. Just just hit that. Please. Trust me, when you hear that computer-generated helicopter sound, Neptunes? just know that oh. good shit is happening. I'm listening to that. On Dirty don't, 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 don't. We'll see you next time. <laughs>